Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. All right, everybody, stick around to the middle of the show for a special announcement by me, Junkie. The, what's the ZX6, a 636, Cowies, like, uh, you know, even a Jigsaw 600, um, you get one that's kind of scratched up, kind of beat up, you know, the plastics, it's been down or whatever. Mm-hmm perfect for the track yeah like i basically bought an rc that was looked a lot better from afar than it did up close i put rear brake pads in it the front pads were good i think maybe i put no i don't think i put front pads in it i don't remember now and then uh it does need a fork seal so i'm gonna get the fork three belt but that's gonna cost me with seals and everything like 150 bucks um and then i put good tires on it like it doesn't need to be pretty because if I slide it off into the dirt and high side it, it's going to get real ugly real quick. Yeah, I think I might be leaning towards just a, maybe a second SV. Just because I like what you said about you're able to swap yeah. out or whatever. And yeah, and it's like... Maintenance you're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, your weekly fix for all things two wheels. You've been enjoying some behind-the-scenes banter between the co-hosts. I'm the producer, Mr. Producey Face, and welcome to the show, episode 162. I'm sorry, 172. I can't even get it right, and it's my own show. Take it away. <laughs> Most awkward intro ever. Take it away. Woo. But yeah, so that's what I'm leaning towards just because. Yeah, and the thing is, too, you can find them for pretty decent money that already has a Jigsaw front end on it, which mm-hmm. is a really cool right. upgrade, especially for the track. For what you're doing on, on the banana, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I'm also, it's funny because I used to be like, oh, you need inverted forks and you need this and you need that. And it's like, we probably don't. I heard a lot of people because I was doing some research on it, and a lot of people online were saying that it's not. All the it's all hype. Yeah. So the thing is, like, if you're out there and you're like, I'm running Brady's fast group, and I'm getting dusted by people that ride the track all the time. I got passed by a fucking Harley last week. (sighs) Uh, Like, not a Buell, a a full size Harley. Um, (laughs) Like, would inverted forks? Do they really help me out? No, not really. (laughs) Like. I don't know. It's all, it's all irrelevant. And the thing is, I was talking to someone about this yesterday too, like going to the track for me, I'm not out there to set the fastest lap time of everyone that day. Mm. I'm out there to set the fastest lap time for myself on my bike. So whether I'm out there on my RC 51 or whether I'm out there on Spamala, like the point is throttle control and brake control and shift points and, yeah, just like and, uh, honing your skills. Yeah, right. so it doesn't really matter what you're on because you're out there to improve your riding ability and be more comfortable with your bike. So, you know, like I said, the only reason I would look at like a 600 would be cost. I think you would get more bike for the money than you get with an SV650. I think they're great bikes. I just think because they're kind of a cult bike that they're kind of 
overpriced. Mm. Um, that being said, I might know where one's at. It just needs a little bit of work. There are. I haven't shopped for one in a long time. Yeah, because I got mine for twenty three. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, there's a lot of parts out there floating around for six fifties too. Yeah, there are SVs just because they're such a long production bike. But you can get a six hundred bike that is way more track capable as far as if you're comparing bike to bike for the same money, mm-hmm. you know, 2,500 bucks, three grand, you can get a nice 600, probably 2010, 2012, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get fucked up body work and stuff, but I was going to say, you know how many jicks or 600s there are out there? And that's an inline four, which is a little bit better for tracking than a twin 650. Again, well, depending on what you're it, trying to do. On yeah, paper, Ashley it's. Says, I can't get a jixer. And I call it gixer. She hates it. <laughs> on, uh, do you also call graphic image files gifs? Yeah, yeah. Gifs and gixers. I think on paper, a 600 is a better bike. But again, it's not like when you go to the track. Again, there's so many fast SV650s out there because it is a great all-around bike, and it's all about you and your riding ability. So the the another benefit of the SV is even if you had a separate track bike that was kind of set up a little bit different, had a little bit different tires and stuff, you're still going to be more comfortable when you go back to your yellow SV mm-hmm. because that's what you're on the track on. Well, I heard that like uh, Gixers were not good for <laughs> were not good for like entry level new riders. To well, the you're track. really not a new rider. Well, even, I'm new to the track. Even so if you're new to the track. the track. Well, I mean, the thing is with any 600, they're fast as fuck. Mm-hmm. I passed a friend of mine at Chuckwalla on the straightaway. I was on a CBR 600, and he was on a CBR 1000. I had a little better corner exit speed, obviously, but they're not slow. You know, a modern 600 puts over 100 horse to the ground, and by modern, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. They just, they're scary fast if you ride them the right way. Um, I just don't want to get on it and then loop it within the first Well, this is, they're not, <laughs> it's not going to loop, yeah. but if you like say you went to big willow at the end of the front stretch you're doing 120 mile an hour i'm okay with that so (laughs) i know i know i'm just producing tonight but i have to say even a 300 is dangerous on the track depending on what you're looking at you're not going to go on a 1000 if i were to take a 1000 if i were to take a 300 if i were to take a 600 you're going to be riding safe when you're learning. You don't go out there in your first track day and like, oh my God, I'm going to break Valentino yeah. Rossi's record yeah. finally today. It's like you, no matter what size bike you have, you ease into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing is you ride to your comfort level and your ability. I think like, my biggest concern, and I, like I said, I've never been on the track, so this is just my anxiety having not done it yet, is just the the throttle response. Like I'm really like when I first got on the banana, Ashley and the guy who I was buying it from, their eyes almost popped out of the head because when I hit the throttle out of the, out of the driveway, I like took off and Ashley was like, Oh my God, you're a, you're a meme <laughs> waiting to happen. You know, it, <laughs> but I stayed up right. Like I didn't do anything. The cool like, thing with down. a 600 around town, or if you're not revving the motor really hard, they're a dog. Three, four, five thousand RPM. They're a turd. Mm-hmm. You hit nine thousand, and they really start to come alive. You hit <laughs> ten and eleven and twelve, 
and they scream. Mm -hmm. But that being said, if you're on the track, you also have to really pay attention to what gear you're in because you want to stay around 9,000 RPM or above. So, you know, I don't know. I I would – it's hard because like I said, I think you would spend less money and get a better bike on paper mm-hmm. if you got a 600, but there's also benefits to an SV. Yeah. Um, if you want one that I think might run and need, uh, it still needs work though. How much work? It depends on how much. It's got a Jigsaw front end swap. It needs the subframe mounted up and I think the exhaust finished. Mm. <laughs> and when then, you say exhaust finished, what, uh, what's the extent uh, of that? Might not even need that. I'm not sure. I'd have to ask, I'll have to ask my buddy. It's it was, an SV? Yeah, okay. it was one I bought, and then a friend bought for me, and then he gave to another friend. <laughs> um, so, but it's got, but then that friend the put Jigsaw front end on it and stuff. <laughs> it was just one of those like they're so cool with Jigsaw front ends and stuff on them, but you know, too many projects. But yeah, so I don't know. I I think that would be like what to look at. You know, there's definitely, and there's a lot of. You know, I think you need to go to one of Brady's classic track days because it's amazing to see the bikes where you're like, oh shit, that's out here. Yeah. Like, like the VFR 750 here honestly would be a really good bike, but I know if tournament ever did buy it, he probably wouldn't make it a track bike. (laughs) Um, but especially for Brady's day, I mean, dude, there was a, a BMW R 1200 GS or whatever. What's the police bike this weekend? Uh, The R 1200 RTP. Yeah. There was one of those out there. There's, you know, uh, a it's, friend of I mine. Think it, the what you were basically saying is ride what you feel comfortable on, right? Well, no, because the RC scared the fuck out of me <laughs> <laughs> when I went from the Ducati to that. You know, you. The reason I I take an RC to the track is because my love of the RC fifty one, um, and doing Brady's days. Really, I was like, fuck! I don't need a brand new bike. You know, which was one thing a lot of other track days, you don't need it for them either. But, you know, I think, you know, so many of the fast guys, they have brand new bikes that are all tricked out. And yeah, that's cool, I guess. But for me, taking the RC was, I knew it was going to be faster than my duck. And I was getting to the point on my duck where, (laughs) where I was kind of maxing it out. I was definitely going to have to do better tires the next time around, but I was going into turn eight, totally wide open. I was going up to turn four out of three, like wide open. Um, it, it was really like, you know, I mean, it was a super fun bike to ride, but I wanted to be on an RC because I love that motorcycle. Yeah, so that's how, that's how I feel about the SV. So I'll probably just buy another one yeah, they're, for the track. They're great. Yeah, you know, I feel so comfortable on mine. I yeah. definitely would want to hit pop my chair on the track with the SV, just because I feel so comfortable on it, and then yeah. kind of play around after that with different bikes. <clears throat> and as you can see, the SV six fifty S features sport sporty fairings, mm-hmm. and I think clip ons on the S too, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, but. And there's Jay. Yeah, there, S- there she is. Baby Willies. <laughs> Just <laughs> twisting the throttle. Yeah, I mean, you ever hear roll on the throttle? You like snap open the throttle every bike? Mm-hmm. The thing You're with right. an SV is they make what, 80 horse maybe? I think it's 77. Yeah. Almost 80. So it's, yeah. I think it's 78.3. Plenty, but it's kind of a, it's a wider power band than a 600. Yeah. Originally, there was a lot of spec racing for them. So, and a lot of classes they could do that were slower classes. And the thing is about a slower bike is you will become a better rider. I 
I am not riding certain corners at Willow to my potential right now because the bike's so much faster and I'm not that comfortable. Like turn eight, for example, like on my Ducati, I went in fully pinned fifth gear, leaned over. I don't know how fast the bike was actually going. The speedo said 120 when I looked once <laughs> and I know it was off. So hundred mile an hour, 110 mile an hour and totally fine. I'm probably going through turn eight slower on my RC 51 because I'm hitting the brakes before the corner, mm-hmm. even though I know I shouldn't. And on that one, it's like, okay, I might not go in fully pinned, but it's also scaring the shit out of me. So I'm, I'm also not riding to my potential as much where on the Ducati, I feel like I was riding more to my potential, you know, and it, it probably had a lot more to go if I would have got the suspension and stuff set up, but I was just like, you know what? I want an RC. That was kind of the, but so like my point is on a slower bike or on something like an SV, you might actually ride more to your potential and more to the bike's potential than even if you were on a 600. Yeah. Cause 600 is, I think it's a, big misconception everyone's like oh i'll get a 600 because they're slow a modern 600 and by modern i mean about 2000 2003 2004 and up are fast as fuck yeah what about um sprockets because i have a a 14 tooth front sprocket but then i was reading online that it's better to increase on the rear sprocket all Which, do you have all depends what you want to do a lot of it all depends on the bike too so like the rc51 was notoriously tall geared everyone complained about how tall it was geared for when they were riding on the street when you go to a track i, I don't change gears on my rc um most track days you can't change gearing i don't know about racing uh, racing you can but i what i was meaning by i don't know i don't know if people do that all the time because like on my flat track bike, I gear to the track. I gear to coming out of the corner and the end of the straightaway. I gear to the end of the straightaway and then hopefully that gets me where I want coming out of the corner. Do you do it so that you only have to shift like once the whole race? Is that – or well, maybe twice if it's a bigger track? On my flat track bike, I only shift once unless it's a mile. And then you're going third – Yeah, if it's a first gear track, obviously you take off in fifth or first. If it's a second gear track, I leave in second. And if it's a third gear track, I leave in second shift to third. Um, the mile was a fourth gear track, so I left in second, shift yeah. to the third, shift to fourth. But on a pavement track – you would, I guess you would gear to the longest straightaway maybe, or you would gear to, I I don't know. You'd have to, I've never changed gears on a pavement track for this reason. One, I don't know what you would even gear to. Yeah. You, would you worry about like certain shift points? Like Willow has nine turns. Would you be like, okay, at the end of the first straightaway, like, I don't even know if I click sixth. I thought I was doing sixth to fourth. But then the more I thought about it, I might have been in fifth down to third and then turn three, four, and five. I may have been in second because that bike will do over 100 mile an hour in second. But all I know was I would pull on the track, but I would <laughs> – so I don't know what gear I was in. I just know at the end of the front stretch, I went down two into one, went all the way around turn two. I went down one into three, stayed in that gear until turn six – going into seven, which is like six is this little uphill and seven's like a little kink on the back stretch. Mm-hmm. And I would go, I think just one more. And then I would go down one through nine and then up two 
and then back up for the front stretch and then back down those two. So were you only in fifth on the front, you think? I'm not sure. I th- yeah. think I may have been, yeah. but I was never on the front stretch. Like, let's see if I have another one just yeah, to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I knew, I don't know what gear I'm in. I just know it's like, I'll make turn it one is end. down yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. turn three is down one, like yeah, yeah. then up one onto the back stretch, up another one, uh, like kind of through seven. And then after eight or going into nine is down one. And then, yeah, up two. Yeah. So it was, I didn't know what gear I was in. I just knew, okay, here's down two, here's down right. one, so here's up one. Yeah. So it was. And I'm going to assume you were at, in s- at least second. I'm, I'm going to assume that you were only in first taken off. <laughs> yeah. First, <laughs> the, first is a hard one to ride. And I would yeah. think second on that thing might be two. And the gearing on my RC, I feel like is down one in the front because the speedo is way off. Um, I get on the freeway and it's like, you're doing a hundred mile an hour. And I'm like, I look over to the cars and I'm like, not that the bike won't do a hundred, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you look at the cars and you're like, no, I'm not. That's how this one is too. And I know Paul said he changed the, uh, I've the rear a couple or the front down one or something. Like a that, lot yeah. of people do. So the RC was notorious. The yeah. yeah, it does. Okay. Cause it's gear. Well, on, because of the sensor, right? yeah, the sensor is usually my sensors in the front hub. So it so just reads off matter. wheel rotation. So if I got a smaller wheel, it probably would. It's actually not. Not even a sensor, right? It's just a uh, the cable drives, yeah, mechanical yeah. driven. But on these, on like this one, I'm sure on Chris's, there's like a, a sensor in the crank that's measuring like crank. Yeah, speed. it's in the training, I think. Yeah, on the at the like the counter shaft rocket. Yeah, yeah. The, so it's measuring like the rotation of like your mm-hmm. transmission gears, not necessarily the actual rotation of yeah. a tire. Mm-hmm. So even changing tire size can your SV is probably off the mm-hmm. counter shaft rocket too. Mm-hmm. Most modern bikes are, yeah. they have like a sensor rather than like. Instead of a cable drive coming yeah. out of the hub. Even right. though the XR650 and the uh, some other, I mean, there's still bikes with them, but they're super rare. I just yeah. worked on some. Honda, of all people, with the most mechanical brand in the world, has some yeah. really <laughs> super mechanical old school bikes still. But yeah, so you, I think what you're, what you were asking was like, what do you gear? It all depends on what you're doing. Like when you're commuting around town, if you're in first gear and you're always, and this is obviously hard in LA traffic, but if you're always slipping the clutch, like I think my RC, like first gear, like just off idles, like already a little over, I think the speedometer says like 25 or 30. Mm-hmm. Like you can't ride that in town. Yeah. There's no way that you could ride in a 30 mile an yeah, hour zone at idle. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people on an RC drop one tooth in the front. Some people actually RCs, usually they drop one and go up two in the rear um, or up one in the rear. But I think more common is up two in the rear. So that's a pretty big Usually dropping one in the front is equal to dropping two in the rear. Or I mean, uh, it's closer to three in the rear. Yeah. Going up. The general rule of thumb is one in the front, three in the rear. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, but but is it better to change the gearing on the rear or the front? Because some people were saying that one is more detrimental to yeah. Well, usually, well, the one front, on the front is a lot more than one in the rear. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Right. The chain has to make a tighter rotation the smaller you go in the front. So, so that I, mean, I guess will it depends on. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of weird theories about mechanical leverage when you talk about diameters of gears. I know bicycles have that because you know the bicycle. Uh, it has like a two horsepower motor that's you. So a lot of people like, cause I used to race single speed mountain bikes. Fixies kind of have the same idea. 
Um, some people went really small sprockets. BMX would do it to get the chain out of the way. So they ran like a 13 on the rear, I think was it? maybe an 11 was the smallest they went. Hmm. So they would run a real small one up front. And then in theory, your mechanical leverage from the center of the crank to where the chain is, is really short. Where if you ran bigger gears, you had more leverage, but it's also, it goes further per rotation too but that rotation takes more like it's not you can't go as fast you, you have to go really well fast no to go that's as far, that's right? different so if you run if both sprockets are small so they were saying like the leverage if you run a small sprocket on the front your leverage is we'll say an inch right well if the sprocket on the rear is we'll say two inches in a motorcycle because the rear is bigger bicycles are opposite right so it would your leverage is kind of the same where if you ran say a two inch on the front and a four inch on the back then that leverage is better but i don't know if i really believe that that's an issue especially on a motorcycle yeah i mean that's why when you take off on a bicycle the bigger the gear you have the easier it is to pedal right i mean still not what i'm still not what i'm saying it's way way more technical than that yeah you're looking at what most people look like at ratios. and i agree with it yeah <laughs> and the ratios are right like but pulley ratio when you yeah. some bicycle people and like i said i never worried about this and i don't even know if it mattered some people would claim it would they would run like a single speed mountain bike with 26 inch wheels the general rule for gearing except california because single speeders here are wusses um is a two to one ratio so we would run and it it figures out to 56 gear inches um because you have a 26 inch wheel so i would run a 32 16 was a really common gear um yeah 32 16 (laughs) what does that make overall like what is that do for the overall so on a bicycle that was like so we're saying you you run a two to one ratio so you ran a two um two one uh crank revolution was two wheel revolutions well what some people would do they would run like a 20 in the rear and like a 40 in the front and even though to you and i that ratio is exactly the same they would say yes but my front sprocket has more leverage. Mm, okay. So kind of what you're saying with if you drop one in the front, it does wrap the chain around tighter. So some people claim – so this is kind of a different issue. For bicycles, it's because you're the motor. Right. So you want every squeaky little bit of power and leverage you can get. Yeah. I think that's a little overkill for a motorcycle. But on a motorcycle, the downside is when you wrap the chain around tighter, supposedly your chain – doesn't last as many miles. Mm-hmm. It flings the um, the lube off quicker because it's a tighter. It's still going at a certain speed, but it's a going around a tighter circle, right? So yeah. yeah, if you increase three in the rear and you get about the same ratio and about the same change, it it's is it better on the chain and stuff? Maybe mm-hmm. the the counter side of that is if you are racing, that's more weight. Right, you've added teeth where you mm. could have pulled off teeth. Right, but what it comes down to, though, is if you're on a track, you're more worried about your ratio being right. And this even is the same for bicycles. You're worried about your ratio being correct more than anything. Your leverage is very minimal, if it even matters. Because again, on a bicycle, if you so, if I ran the smaller sprockets, I would be saving weight. Mm-hmm. So for weight weenies, there. Um, what I would gear to on on like your SV is 
one, you check what you have and check what was stock. Um, but you gear to what you're comfortable riding. Like if you're riding around right now and you're always on the clutch, not because, I mean, obviously when there's traffic, you're always on the clutch, but say like when you're riding at a certain speed and you never get the clutch fully out. So you're always slipping it. Mm -hmm. Maybe dropping one would help that because you would actually get it out. You're more worried about like your kind of your idle, not your idle RPM, but you know how the bikes will kind of jolt at a real slow RPM. Mm -hmm. You obviously want to be out of that. And if you're doing 25 or 30 and you're still having that jolt, I would drop one in the front. Okay. Um, yeah, because I have a 14 tooth front sprocket at home that I uh, ordered a while back, and I've been debating whether or not I should pop it on the banana. Do you know what was on it stock? Um, it, right now it has 15. Okay. So it would be dropping it, one. You but also, I heard that a lot of people are saying it's going to cause you to shift much more frequently, and then you lose some top end. You will lose top end. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to shift more frequently. Because your transmission is still the same ratio, mm. but like another thing to think of again, well, just because you're the you're increasing the low end, so you'll be going faster sooner. So that so you're gonna shift quicker, but not necessarily more frequently. Mm. Like you're gonna yeah, you're gonna well, run out of first traffic, gear yeah. quicker. I mean, if I'm getting up to fifty within a few seconds. But again, like when you're gearing to that, you're gearing more to you know what your riding is. So if you're you know, now you might be shifting more because you're shifting down to get a lower gear. Mm -hmm. So you might be shifting frequently because you're trying to get a lower gear, you know, and that's where something like an SV650 is a benefit because you do have a little bit wider ratio or a little bit wider power band to, to play with, which is nice. Um, something else to consider my Ducati actually sucked on the freeway. I think I went to stop gearing on it, but it, on the freeway at 80 and 90, it was really revving surprisingly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something to think about too, because even though you do commute a lot in town, you're also getting out on the freeway. So you don't want to, um, you don't want to try to get out on the freeway and be revving 7,500 RPM. Yeah, that's what they're saying, that it increases RPM by, by about a 900 to 1,000. So, yeah. So when you're at, you know, I don't know how fast you usually get on the freeway. See, there's like no traffic. I don't want to incriminate myself. So, I mean, that's (laughs) something like, you know, when I put a new motor in my Harley, it just made a little bit more power. So I kept all the ratios stayed the same, but it, instead of cruising really nicely at 80, it cruised really nicely at 85. Mm -hmm. Um, it was revving a little harder, but it just made a little more power and because it had no fairing or anything, like it, it needed that power at that speed. So yeah, I mean, that's something that kind of, you just got to think about like when you're on your ride, pay attention to how it feels. Like when you do get out on the freeway, you know, like say when you ride home from here and there's not a lot of traffic, what RPM is it at? Can you stand another 900 RPM? But then when you're in LA and traffic's kind of tight and you're kind of getting in it, and you know, when you're lane splitting between cars that aren't moving, it's real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like my RC that would stock would idle at 25 mile an hour and be kind of bouncy. Um, I wouldn't want that to lane split either. I would want to drop one. So yeah. it's, it's hard. I did have some issues with herky jerkiness, but um, that was because of the, the sensor, the throttle I think it was a throttle yeah, position Yeah, you guys sensor? in your modern bikes with all these sensors <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> no, but somebody made a mod. There's like a modification that some guy DIY 
like made and started making and selling on uh, Etsy of all places. But I installed that on the bike and it smoothed it out. Like, cause yeah. off of first leaving like at the light. And like, if I let off the throttle, the bike would just jerk, jerk forward. Yeah. But yeah. I, it, now it's smoothed out. I think there's like a resistor or something that's in the it's center. It's pretty common for a lot, you know, even old carbureted bikes when you're kind of like, there's like a area in the throttle when you're and it, it seems like mid corner on everything, right? Yep. Where it's, you're <laughs> yeah. revving it a little harder than, than just idle, but you're, you're feeling like that little spot and it, they really kind of wake up without much input. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, I mean, that's a common for most, most bikes, but yeah, it was very like on off. And then uh-huh. it was, especially when I was riding two up with Ashley, we actually fell over one time because I came to, I saw a car at a stop and then I like let off the throttle really quick and then I just got unbalanced. Yeah. yeah. Snowmobiles <laughs> and jet skis do that too because yeah. the throttle is the also the brake on those. Right. So right. when you let off, like surprise, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, I mean, the engine braking is great yeah. on the Suzuki, but it just needed to be smoothed out. But it's a lot better now. So yeah, yeah. You need to pay attention to where your RPMs at on the freeway, and then mm-hmm. where it's at in town. Yeah. And then you kind of determine. And if you've already got one, you know, throw it on and see how yeah. it feels. Yeah. But if you go to ride home and it's just like pinging the rev limiter, then you're like, oh, maybe yeah. I gotta put that bigger one back on it. Yeah. Speaking to yeah, like Spamala, I had to drop a couple teeth in the rear just to go on the freeway because yeah. back when she was made, yeah. the speed limit was 55 mm. and she was fine for freeway commuting. Like actually, most, a lot of 350s were at the yeah, time. I had a um, a big issue with my CBX, actually the same problem. It um, When it was made, speed limits were all 55. I mean, that bike will do uh, probably... 130 or 40 it's not a slow bike right in 79 it was the fastest bike out that one's an 82 with bags and fairing but so my dad's like well just drop a tooth in the front oh well my problem was like riding around town it was geared kind of tall or no the big problem was the freeway he's like well just go up a tooth on the front because you're riding it you know more freeway and it you know again when it was built it was made to go 55 and that thing rides super smooth at 55 and it'll do 75 and 80 no problem but it's just revving harder than i want it to so he was like yeah just add a tooth in the front but the problem is in first gear it wants to do 30 like just barely off idle so it's not even a good first gear bike the problem with it actually is the the ratio in the training's too close because it was built as a sport touring bike the one that i have in 82 the training needs to be a wider ratio, you know, and it, again, it'll do 75 and 80 and it doesn't bother the bike. It just bothers me. Is it a six speed too, or is it a five speed? I believe it's a six. Yeah. It's been a while since I've ridden it. Cause a lot of the bikes that were made in the eighties that were shaft driven, they made them six speeds because you can't change the gear ratios like you could with the chain driven, uh, you know, five speeds and mm. stuff like that. What they actually, another shaft one they had was really cool. Was a CB 900, uh, it was a 900 something, but it was a shaft drive version and it had a high low. So if you're riding around town, you leave it in low and you got five or six gears. And then if you're like, oh, we're going to go on a trip, you put it in high. And then when you get on the freeway, it's got, but I don't think you could shift high low while you were riding. You had to kind of do it at a stop. So you kind of had to know like where you were going, but it was like kind of a nice sporty, like, and that was in the transmission. It was, 
It was like a separate transmission almost. Oh, okay. It was like behind the tranny, like it was a shaft drive bike, but it was like kind of a secondary transmission almost. So you had, it wasn't a 12 speed and it wasn't a, like you could shift all weird. It was like you had, it was a 10 speed is what I'm trying to tell you. Was it a five, (laughs) was it a five speed bike? CB 900 what? C sounds right. 900 C. Uh, custom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. C was custom. So it was, uh, you had a five speed and yeah, if you're going to ride around town or especially when it was built and all the speed limits for 55, yeah, you had low, but they're actually pretty decent now. Cause you just flip it into high. Like if you're going to go on a trip or whatever, or, mm. or get out on the freeway, you'd be like, well, let's kick kicker into high. So you would have to do it like kind of from a stop if I remember correct. Mm. But yeah, you put it in high and then you still had the same five speeds in the tranny but it just was all a little more high speed then. It was a super cool concept in its day. I know um, Ford did it with some trucks back in the day. They had two-speed rear ends, like 60s, 70s. Um, My dad's trying to do it right now. He found a thing for his truck that's uh, basically a three-speed that goes behind the transmission. So he explained it to me. It's got like a two-to-one... Or I should say one to two. So it's like got a lower gear than than what his has. It's got like a one to one point two or something. So it doesn't have a direct one to one. And then it's got like uh, uh even taller than that. So he's got a six speed in his diesel. So he could go to super low, like so he could put the the truck in first and then this little piggyback transmission into low and he could like basically idle and walk next to the truck so he's like you know if you're towing something and you need to get into a tight spot or move it around it's really nice um but then if he's getting on the freeway he can put it into the third and then when he hits six gear he's going to drive down the freeway to lower rpm and that's all attached to the the shift uh yeah i think it's like a separate lever that goes up into the truck and it's like a weird little like piggyback tranny but a lot of a lot of semis were like that too like you you hear about people having semis with like 14 and 18 gears they still do yeah yeah some of them still do yeah Yeah, a lot of them now are electronic but yeah so it was it wasn't that they had 18 gears in the transmission but they had the transmission and then they probably had like a another three behind that so it it like compounds it Mm. So, yeah, you would put, like, the secondary in first and go through the f- however many, and then you could put it in second and the secondary and go through them. And- so back to the talking about racing and getting the bike ready and stuff, what about uh, weight saving? Because I was looking at, like, sprockets, so aluminum versus steel, because a lot of people are like, oh, if you're going to be on the track, you want to get as light as possible. Is that something that, as a beginner, I should be worried no, about? No, it's not. You're not going to notice a difference. I buy aluminum sprockets, and I buy 520 chains because I don't ride on the street anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're still going to get... The thing is, they're going to be 775 aluminum. A lot of them are going to be a pretty good anodized. They're going to last 15,000 miles, and a steel sprocket's going to last 20,000 miles. Mm-hmm. And I have theories about why 520 is actually stronger than 530, even though a lot of tensile strengths on 530 is better. But I just... Because everything for me is on the track, I just go 520, so it's all the same. And then it's all fancy. I'm like, oh, I got. <laughs> or what they have, if you want to be both, they have a 525 chain. Yeah, that's what I have on mine is a 525. Yeah. Yeah. But was that stock on the SV? 
Um, yes. A lot of 600 started doing it. Yeah. It's for a while, it was like dirt bikes were 520 and street bikes were 530. My RC is a 530 and... If I ever change it, I'll go 520, but I don't know if I'm ever going to put enough miles on that bike on the track to need to change it. Will your sprocket fit? I mean, I guess you just change the sprocket to a 520 sprocket. Yeah, you just put 520 front and rear on sprockets and chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like my Ducati, when I put a chain on it, I did 520. And I don't know if I messed up or what, but my rear sprocket, I got a 530. That's what showed up. Didn't fit. (laughs) Yeah. But I, uh, I took it to a friend's house with a lathe and I shaved off an eighth of an inch. Yeah, that's one right. way to do it. That's what the three is, three eighths of an inch versus 20 is two eighths or half inch. So right. like your two sprocket. Two is a quarter inch. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. quarter inch. So like your. It's just how wide. Three eighths or a quarter, your sprocket won't actually yeah. fit in between. Them. And right. the five <laughs> the five is the distance pin to pin. Yeah, pin to pin. They're mostly all five. Someone There's is, a couple fours out there, but Yeah, not. someone is telling me on, what were they talking about? Maybe like a Ninja 300 or something? They run like a four something? Maybe. I think Honeycup was talking rare. about that, yeah, wasn't he? Maybe, maybe. It's, maybe it's they rare, were running they, it on that because it's like a race bike or yeah. something. But I don't know. That's another weird thing. Link to link, I don't see how that would be advantageous. But even saving weight and stuff, like even with rotational, you know, if you're, I don't see if you're racing Ninja three hundreds and you're super competitive. Yes, ounces yeah. are going to matter. And there's like a weight if limit for your class. Then sure, yeah. Right. And, a, and right. rotating weight on the pavement, I was going to say it's always better, but on the dirt they want heavy rear wheels. Yeah. Um, rotating weight on the pavement when you have traction, you know that's weight you're accelerating. Multiplied, multiplied, not just accelerating. So you want to lose rotating weight, mm-hmm. but you know, for a guy like me, it's like I could go sit in a sauna for twenty minutes and <laughs> save the amount sweat, of weight sweat out some that I'm gonna do the weight of your sprocket chain. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's one of the, yeah, it's it's not a big deal. There's different schools of thought on five thirties stronger and last longer. Five twenties better and last longer. It's the difference I think in overall longevity is pretty minute. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not scared anymore. Like if I was commuting, what I, I would probably run a steel sprocket and a 520 chain. Um, but you know, and some guys out there are going to tell me, no, I'm wrong. And I'm sure sing might run. I don't know. Some of those dudes run six thirty. Listen, which is those weird. guys run 18 feet long chains. So who knows <laughs> yeah. what they are? They might even be chainsaw. Well, chains. and some of those people say like with blades, they and need everything. all the strength because they're putting down a lot more power, which is true. But that's also a lot more weight. But it's also right. Divide that over the area surface area of the chain, which is you have a lot more chain. You probably. I would That's say, what I mean. If you went from 520, if you had a 530 and went to 520. Don't hit the talent, but it's on you, Wiggs. That little flying. Can it's I, not can a, I mos- hit him? It's not it? a mosquito, but I don't know. It just jumped off him. It just jumped out. You're going to hit Wiggs. That thing? Yeah, yeah. Is it even set to zap right now? Well, yeah. No, you got to press this one? Yeah. Yeah. And then don't hit Jay. Don't hit Jay. <laughs> oh, it is a mosquito. Give me that thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, think of the weight you would save because they run like double length chains pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Think of the weight you would save rotating from a 530 to a 520. Um, Those guys ain't putting down that much power anyway. <laughs> but I, so I know a lot of people that, I mean, the 530 definitely has a bigger diameter pin, but the 520, because it's narrower, has a shorter pin. Mm-hmm. So, and there's also, when you look at chains, if you, if you're shopping for chains and you actually look through the book, um, they will give the tensile strength. It's right. usually, um, in general, the more you're going to spend, the better the tensile strength. 
and I'm, I'm a weird motorcyclist in that I, uh, I, I buy good brake pads, but I, I'm also the school of thought. Like if you want to stop quicker, just squeeze a fucking lever harder. <laughs> but cause here's the thing, you know what the biggest factor in, in your brake stopping distance or your bike stopping distance is, whether it be brake pads or rotors. Your tires. Your tires. <laughs> exactly. So the people that buy cheap tires and they're like, I'm going to get these extra grippy brake pads. It's not going to do anything. Mm. Now, that being said. Oh, like, yeah. Well, it'll lock up those cheap ass <laughs> tires yeah, super will. easy. <laughs> that being said, I've also, on my old RC, I bought like really fancy Ferrotos and those things were grippy. Um, and I might put something like that in this RC. I need to see what Lindell has for the RC that's real grippy. I put them in the rear and they feel good, but I haven't I haven't put front ones yet. About? Yeah. Um, when be- I used to race cars, Ferrodo was like all you wanted. Yeah. Like, it was, they well, were good. And the, the thing is, on a track, your hands get tired mm-hmm. and you don't want to expel that. It's not just, it, it's not like expelling the energy, but you get arm pump squeezing brake right. levers. Yeah. So you don't. If I can go into turn one at Willow with a little one or two finger break, why not? Yeah. You know, if I got to grab a big handful and to get the same amount of stopping force, then I'm wearing myself out with the biggest thing that I don't want to get tired, which is my throttle and front brake. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get arm pump and can't control the throttle yeah, <laughs> or can't uh, squeeze the front brake enough, then yeah. you have problems. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always the guy that I buy good chain and sprockets and good tires. Those are at the top of my list. That's good advice. And put them underneath a good motorcycle. <laughs> you, you know, you don't even have to do that. Yeah. But I will be like, my duck was a perfect example of this like shitbox beat up motorcycle <laughs> with a really nice chain and sprocket, really nice tires, <laughs> really tires nice make brake a pads. Huge difference yeah. Well, the sure. thing is with tires, you can notice it on a car. Like, put cheap tires on and hammer your brakes and yep. see what your distance is and put good tires on. But on a bike, if you lock up the wheels, you fall down. Yeah. yeah. You so. know what? This is silly, but yesterday on Spamla, uh, I locked up the rear brake. It didn't even make an, or the tire didn't even make a noise. I just kept going the same speed. So I just let it off and I was like, wow, that was interesting. I guess I will just avoid. Is it even possible to lock the front up? No. no. Can you get Frodo's shoes? Uh, you know, they might. I said sells some pretty good stuff for that thing and they might have. Because uh, those are drum brakes on that, right? Oh, yeah. 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 That's why you buy brake shoes instead of brake pads. Yeah. Right. And I get extra thick soles on my shoes because I use sometimes you need auxiliary braking. Trust me. Yeah, I've tried to I was gonna say I tried to do the BMX thing where you stick your like front foot in the fork, like between the forks <laughs> and the tire. See if it'll work. But um but yeah, I agree. Like one of these days I'm gonna get some good I had good tires on it before I put the Kendas and they're not terrible, but they're not great. You know, going out to Brady's because there's a lot of bikes with weird size wheels. Like again, like I'm hashtag normal to me. <laughs> but if you go to a uh, if you go to a sport bike track day where it's all sport bikes, every single bike there has one twenty seventy seventeen front and either one eighty fifty five one ninety fifty five or two hundred fifty or one ninety fifty one I don't know or or two hundred fifty. Or fifty-five rear seventeens, like no, seventeen front no and rear, stock, nothing else. Yeah, no stock like one sixties or well, and 180s. there's no well, at SVs one sixty, 
but it, those are rare at most track days. But you're not seeing 19s, you're not seeing 21s, you're not seeing 18s. Yeah. Like those are vintage stuff, um, or weird kooky stuff. Which family is both? Yep, 16, 18, baby. <laughs> yeah. So and with the Harleys, you know, when they were they had 16, 18, but. Guys like Tony now, they're all running 17s. I was going to say a lot of the stock ones still even have 16 or, or, and 19 mm-hmm. or something like that. 16, 19 was real common for Sportsters and Dinas. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And then my Dyna came with a 17 rear, so a 17, 19. So you just use the rear and machine, machine it to use on the front somehow? No, I just ran good uh, Harley tires in a 17. I didn't run sport bike tires. Yeah. Some guys, they started to, they were putting sport bike rears on, but I was like, how's that with a shittier front? They were having good luck, but now they're running 17s. Yeah. What are they running? What? How are they getting those? They, Tony made some Marchesinis fit his Harley. Oh, wow. And okay. then uh, the other guy on the FXR did some like Jigsaw wheels on it. Okay. Um, just machining it. Just it- making spacers and spacing the brake over and getting it right. Yeah. So. That's key to know because... That's one thing I was talking to Brian Honeycutt about was he's running 17s on the uh, – on, or 16s or something like that on his uh, R1200GS because – Probably he, 17s. It yeah. probably came with a 19 I or 21 I think it came with front. 19, yeah. And I was like, where do you get those? And he's like, yeah, you know, you like you source them because uh, – Well, and other Beamers had 17s and I don't know I – mean, If I had to guess, guess – Yeah, but those but, probably aren't going to fit. But there's a lot of GS stuff that does have 17s. Yeah. Um, I should know. I don't pay attention. After I'm done with it, I'm done with it. A lot of Ducati stuff, which crap. a lot of Ducatis run 17s, but a lot of Ducati stuff was interchangeable. Yeah. So like a 999 in my Monster, the front wheels and rear wheels, well, not a 999 because I had a regular swing arm, but 916 or the 1098 actually would have been around the same year as mine. The wheels were interchangeable. The forks were interchangeable. The rear shock was pretty interchangeable. Yeah. So they just Ducati was really good about that. Yeah. That is one thing about like Beamers and Hondas and stuff. You look at them and you type in a wheel part number or ask somebody a wheel part number and they'll say, "Oh yeah, and that fits like 90 bikes." <laughs> well, with Honda though, you type in a part number and they're like, "No, it only fits that." <laughs> and or, then you find or out they that, don't make it anymore. Or well, then you find out that uh it does fit 90 bikes, but the part number on every one is different because they don't want you to know that it fits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a friend you could ask. Because your front wheel is the same as a CBR 900. Um, a hot upgrade for the – actually, not a 900. It's the same as a CBR 600 F3. Actually, it's also the same as – the width might have changed, but I don't think so. It's the same as a SP1 RC51. The rear's different on that because it's single-sided swing arm. And then the hot upgrade for the CBR 900s, I think all the years, but I know mine was a 95 and it, it had it. They had a 16.5 front or 16 front, not 16.5. Yeah, that was a weird like Supermoto like, had a no, lot no, no. of 16. No, 16.5 was Supermoto. Yeah. 16 was CBR 900. I did, but I was wrong. Oh. I corrected it. Um, 16 was CBR 900. Huh. Super weird, but I think Singsign was saying they actually like those drag racing because they're lower, yeah, and they're lighter because it's an inch smaller, yeah. But on a sport bike, now you can't get the same tire choice, so everything's seventeen. Yeah. Supermotos were running sixteen fives because the Desmo Sedici had a sixteen five rear, 
and a lot of the GP bikes were running 16.5 fronts, the real GP bikes, not the street legal ones like the Desmo Sedici. So Supermoto was like, we're going to run 16.5s. Yeah. And then they were like, it sucks to get tires for these. Yep, that was a weird era. And now, yeah. Well, and you could only get slicks. So the guys running street legal Supermotos that screwed them over. Yeah. And imagine nowadays trying to like source that where you're like. Oh, yeah. It's like going back and trying to source like gears for a bsa yeah spend a lot of time on ebay yeah yeah <laughs> and also another thing wigs i did want to point out i know it seems like the t- they don't they give everything a different part number but even changing the color of something or the manufacturer can change the part number so that's why you might not be seeing some of the stuff pop up yeah that same sure. tire might fit a 900 but they had different colors so they're like eh, we need to throw the color code on here <laughs> yeah. so it, it will look different you're right you're right about that well, and I did. Uh, Plus, they colluded with Russia. I lost an axle nut <laughs> in Utah on my CBR 900RR, and we like did some all thread and some washers and stuff, and made it because it was a hollow axle. And we went about 20 miles down the road, and there was a Honda dealer, but of course, they had nothing for CBR 900RR. And I was like, you know what? There are. We ride dirt bikes in Utah, son. <laughs> they do. <laughs> So I was like, hey, my toolkit for my 900 or my 929 works on my CRF 450. Could I try an axle block and an axle nut for a CRF 450? So he looks them up and he's like, yeah, it's a different part number. He's like, but I have them. So he's like, I'll pull them out and we'll try them. Same exact fucking thing. Mm. Same. They were raw aluminum. There was no colored number difference, nothing. Like they were exact. And I was like, you know, I kind of feel like they're the same. Like I have both bikes, you know, next to one another. So you pull them out, they fit. That's what was on my 929. Probably still on that bike today if that bike still is alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, if you probably held it up to a stock 929 one, it was probably like a two millimeters shorter <laughs> could, or something very like well that. could be, you know yeah, right, like, yeah. Right? So they're like, oh, it needs a different part number. It's two mm. millimeters shorter. Yeah, yeah. So that's rad. Hey, Jay, I would go home and do, when he told me that story a while ago, I was like, I'm going to go measure every bolt i have and see what fits and what doesn't yeah who knows when you're gonna have to you know grab something off your car or something yeah like that. i know i I did that with the harley man whenever freaking bolts were falling off of that thing i was just red loctite <laughs> people that go oh no only use blue loctite there they've never worked on a harley <laughs> and when harley mechanics are like oh i use blue loctite i'm like well good for you i don't yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you should have used you should have used red Loctite because now I'm using red Loctite. Where I use red Loctite, Loctite on Loctite. everything, <laughs> but I do like the people that Loctite like certain things that get hot, and I'm like, you guys, you, you know, let's say you break Loctite loose, right? Just <laughs> get it hot. Apply <laughs> the heat gun. <laughs> have we talked about anything yet for the last hour? We've not. We're heading on an hour. Uh, should we take a little break and come back to your guys' moto topics? This has been creative writing with me producing as a regular producer and Chris and Jay at the helm. I don't know. We'll be right back. I don't know if we really have regular topics. All right. That's <laughs> our topic for stuff. tonight. And that is. Yeah, I was just like, oh, it's moto camping season. So I was going to talk about moto camping stuff. All right. Well, you're still talking. I'm going to turn you oh. down and we're going to get into <laughs> Take a little break. You guys go get a drink of water. And uh, watch your favorite bike movie, bike exploitation film. And uh, we'll be back right after these brief intermission. We're going to get some food and some water ourselves and go slap a kitten. All right. Bye. Hey, creative writers. This is Junkmeister. I've got some big news. I'm working on a little sum sum with Law Tigers. 
And Liza from Motorcycles and Misfits is going to help me promote this Mamma Jamma. You're going to want to head over Monday to Motorcycles and Misfits, listen for a little uh, little crazy inside inside baseball instruction that Liza's going to give you, then head back on over to Creative Writing on Friday. You'll know it when you hear it. Anyways, stay tuned. Next week's going to be exciting. Motorcycle champions everywhere than Clawman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clawman Pickle in your face. Clawman's guaranteed. I'm a Clawman and I recommend Clawman Pickles for the win. You heard Mama. Put a Clawman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clawman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. Hey everybody, this is Junkster again. I couldn't be more excited for the Californian coming up May 4th at Santa Anita Racetrack. Brady has put me in charge of getting together creative types to get some artwork there and I'm super excited. It's gonna be large scale freestanding sort of sculpture type art. Also, if you're headed to the quail the same day, please check the show notes and check our blog for ticket information. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to welcome back to Creative Writing. I interrupted Wiggins. I'm going to turn him up so you can hear his opinion. <laughs> I am just the lowly producer on this week's show, and we're back at it with Jay Wiggs and me, the producer Giggity Giggs, sitting back here in the peanut gallery, chiming in once in a while, we're having a great talk about MotoGP. Spoilers, spoiler alerts. I don't yep. know. If, I don't know what they're going to talk about, folks, but I am telling you. <laughs> Uh, I know Jay got the uh, MotoGP pass, and yeah. uh, she might spoil it for you. Before you spoil <laughs> it for everybody, tell us a little bit about that. What What's the cost? What are the benefits? Um, well, it's in euros, so I'm not sure what it's going to show up oh on the bank statement. <laughs> Is it Brexit? It's, it's like it was in twenty. 20-something euros. That's $36. I think that is something like that, 30 or 40 bucks a month. And so you get access to... That's more than this podcast costs <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> um, yeah, you get to watch all the live uh, events. You get to watch uh, all the different camera views during the races. You get all the um, archive footage. Basically, it's all-you-can-eat buffet for a month. Damn. You know what I need on this thing is like a bunch of cool motorcycle soundboards <laughs> instead of all this like stupid Yeah, and a train. I need like a MotoGP sound when you say MotoGP instead but of the, the one uh the one thing that kind of uh Ashley and I were just uh venting about it was minor but still just like seeing all of the umbrella holding women just like that was yeah. It's just like really? and we, we first saw the first pan and then the next row, and then we're just like, wait, are all wait the women minute. that are on the track just holding umbrellas? They for the were, guys? but listen, this is this is something <laughs> that came up like two years ago, and it was a huge deal. <clears throat> and it was yeah, two years ago, it was a huge deal. Here's the thing, though, all those women are getting paid to do that, right? And so they were like bummed that people wanted to get rid of it because they're like, dude, well, this is my job. I'm getting paid. That's this. what I told Ashley because we had kind of a discussion about it because I was like, but. You know, on the same hand, no one's forcing them to do that. Yeah. Like, I hope you weren't choosing. objectifying them because that's <laughs> not what they're out there to, to be. They're out there to hold well, an umbrella. It was a Here's the thing: I mean, those I'm outfits, not gonna lie. Come on now. If I could stand out there in a speedo and hold a fucking umbrella, 
I would, I would do, do it. Too. it. <laughs> I would fucking do it. Hey, yeah, you got a point. Like, hey, I mean, twenty I bucks is twenty bucks. I, let him money, objectify me. Green. I don't care. Money is like, green. <laughs> and, and maybe it's like a mentality thing, but most guys I know, like when dudes are objectified, we're like, fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Dad bought mean, all like day. Like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> like some like nasty old lady, and you're just like. Just got objective. Still got it. All right. Yeah. All right. Still got it. You yeah. know, I heard women like that a lot too. Where's but, my, where's my, hang on. I heard women like being objectified all the time too. Oh, I'll take that one. But no, uh, but they did be, make a big thing where it was like, where they're like, because two years the ago, whole, like, they almost feminism got rid of it. Yeah, well, they, they did in F1, didn't they? I don't know, but when you're in a car, why do you need a helmet, uh, uh, an umbrella person? I do know because that Jamie. Because they're pretty. That's Jamie, exactly why. Jamie Astadio, I'm pretty sure, has a guy holding hers, so he's getting paid. They should. 20 yeah, bucks. That 20 would be bucks. awesome. If yeah. you're a female racer, do you get a Danica Patrick? A yeah. Why not? <laughs> All I know is. Shana Texter, does she need a. Uh, Shana, you need an umbrella man? Yeah. Call, call me your wigs. <laughs> I would do it. I totally would, do it. I'll do it on one side. You heal, the wigs do it on the other. You will be so covered. You, you'll be. You, you'll I mean, have to go to the doctor and get a vitamin D shot because you won't get any sun. <laughs> I, yeah, and that, I just saw something the other day about this where like because it was like a, a really a lot of feminists that shut it down, and then the lady, the the women that were doing it are like. That's not feminism. Yeah, yeah. They're like well, feminism yeah, is exactly. is empowering women. Yeah, and they're not like taking away their jobs. You're taking away our <laughs> power and our job. Yeah, and they, you know, they some of them were like, hey, we make really good money. Some of them were like, this is how I'm paying for yeah. other things. Some well, of them were like, that's exactly what I told Ash because I was like, yeah, you know, it, on one hand, it's like, it, I think the thing that can be upsetting to some women is just that. It, it kind of reinforces gender stereotypes visually. But yeah. on the other hand, like you said, like I agree. Like those women are getting paid. No one's holding a gun you to know, their head. Like they they have yeah. free will. They don't have to do that job if they don't want to. You so know, I don't think they feel like they're being objectified. Everyone wants to talk bad about strippers. But I guarantee <laughs> a stripper that knows what she's doing and looks good makes more money than the three of us put the fucking together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so, my, my buddy dated a stripper for a long time. I can... I can guarantee like, that. She went through college. You know, and some of them enjoy it and some of them I'm sure hate it and they do it because they don't know what else to do. Like that, you know what else? Who else does that? Fucking everybody. <laughs> like no one wants to get up and I don't care, you know, that like, oh, if you do what you love, you never work a day. No, no one wants to go to fucking work. Everyone wants to travel and ride motorcycles <laughs> yep, and do yep, what they want yep. and get paid and if you you know even people racing motorcycles it still is work like i guarantee there's some mornings when rossi gets up and he's like i don't want to go fucking around today yeah i don't want to go around but he wants to stay on top of his game so you know i mean it right i I guarantee what it is rossi wakes up and he (laughs) shovels all the gold coins off of his body and (laughs) right "Ah, not these again getting up out of my gold pile to go race and i think for for him it's weird because like most people that he started racing with, probably all of them, are retired. And yeah. he's not. And I think for him, one, he's chasing the overall. He wants to be the GOAT for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think in our minds, he will be the GOAT. But on paper, Marcus is going to be hard to beat. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. 
But anyway, back to the topic. So what? And yeah, like literally, if there's a girl racer, she should have a dude in yeah, a fucking say, we speedo just need and more a representation of dudes in speedos on the track. That's what well, I'm saying. <laughs> but <laughs> but see, that's the thing. The demographic would not want that. That's it's not even the demographic. It's genetics, and women in general are not going to be as successful on the track. I wondered why Wiggins was getting louder because I was turning him up louder and turning you down. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why does she keep getting like, quieter and quieter? Like that's a simple genetics thing. Like there's just not as many women in the sport to start with. It's not something that a lot of them want. And then there's definitely not as many that make it to that level. There's a lot to do with feminism or not chemistry and genetics mm-hmm. and so do you think that that's why women should not be able to race against men? When oh, you, I think when you have a machine, you absolutely men. should be able to race against them. But if you and Jamie well, Jamie Estadio winning the World Supersport, is that what she's in? I think she's in World Supersport or Supersport 300. She won last year, so it proves that girls can win. <laughs> but she also won 300. You look at Shayna Texter, awesome writer. She's trying to win a singles championship. And she's not moving out of singles. There's a lot to do with adrenaline, like your body and testosterone. Mm-hmm. Like when you, it's just, it flows through your body different and your body makes it different. Right. There's a lot, I've got to watch, uh, there's a girl named Sarah Fisher, I believe, who raced, uh, she raced IRL for a while and did really well. I watched her race, a World of Outlaws race, and she won her heat. You know, really good qualifying time, won her heat race. And in the main, when she has Steve Kinzer and Carl, or uh, was it Carl? Yeah, I think Carl Kinzer was his cousin and Sammy Swindell and all these dudes that are doing 120 on a fucking not even a half mile dirt track side with 900 horsepower just screaming next to you inches away and open wheel cars where if you bump, you go flying over the fences. Those dudes don't give a fuck. They are flat out. I watched her fall to the back of the field in a few laps. And when she started getting lapped, pulled off. Hmm. Could there have been car trouble? Probably not. I think she got scared. Hmm. No joke. That's what it looked like. Then she goes to IRL and she's very successful. Same issue with Danica Patrick. She goes to NASCAR. She doesn't do that well. Because it's a little more extreme, I think, than IRL. They're not as fragile cars. They will bump you. Are they both very talented drivers and could blow my doors off? Absolutely. But you just – they're not – numbers-wise especially, they're not on the same level. Like, I'm sorry. And, you know, if there were 100 dudes on motorcycles and 100 females on motorcycles and you started – You got to get it. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't want to hit him. Will it shock him? Absolutely. If it's just on my thing there, it's probably Shock wig. <laughs> yeah, here's sexism for you, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's on him again. You know, I, if you – if, and it's hard because like – so say everyone, in, everyone went into it neutral and you had 100 guys and 100 women. I would bet – would there be an overlap? Absolutely. But would it be a 50-50 overlap? No. I don't think so. But you also have the... Unless you're saying 50% at the front and 50%. (laughs) (laughs) But you also have to think, like, for every 100 guys that go to the track on a motorcycle, there's two chicks. Mm -hmm. With that being said... I just think... Those two two girls get more help 
at the racetrack than anyone else in that, <laughs> that whole place combined. Because, oh, can I help? Oh, you, what are you running for air pressure? Oh, how about I help you do this? <laughs> oh, I was watching you on that corner. And with me, they're like, get out of here, fat dude with a beard. <laughs> you know what, I, what, what I've noticed too, and this might just be anecdotal. I don't have numbers to support this, but I f- think I've figured out that more women have decided that riding Harleys and getting drunk camping with their friends is cooler than all the no, dudes while all the dudes are out at the track no, riding. No, no comment. You know, I no think comment. that is not a representation of all females. <laughs> no, but it is. no, I'm saying like, you know, there's a whole thing called Babes Ride Out. Yeah, yeah, but it's also cool though to see that. with stuff like Babes Ride Out that there are more and more women riding motorcycles. Yeah. But absolutely. your number again, your numbers starting out aren't there. And then your numbers to go professional and to be on that grid are definitely not there. And a lot of it has to do with how many you're starting and then some of it has to do with genetics and after this and ep- we're just going we're going to do after this discussion we're going to bust out the nerf bats and have a fight <laughs> yeah. my my pet mosquito is going all over the day. I mean, you guys I don't even see it. You guys are like freaking out. <laughs> it cuz it, it's it, on it likes you. you. It loves you. That's what you don't see it cuz it's trying to it's hide from you. I don't even care. I'm just your like just chill buddy. Just hang okay. Out. <laughs> well let his, its name is Steve. Let Steve kick it on wigs. Don't what we won't Oh no! You I see don't even it. think that was it. That's, what is that thing? That's not a mosquito. It's a piece of it's a piece hair. of lint. Yeah. It's your hair that you. So, but I do agree that if there is a woman on the starting grid, then absolutely she should have a dude all oiled down with a six pack oh, and a yeah. bow tie and a speedo <laughs> holding the fucking umbrella for. Her. If, yeah, I don't yeah. like absolutely objectify the shit out of him. <laughs> you also. On the flip side of that, Danica Patrick is one of the – is she still in NASCAR? No, she – I don't think she races no anymore. Okay. So when she was, she was one of the highest paid drivers, but she barely made the, the field mm. because – Are you saying she sold advertisements? She sold advertisements. She's good for business. Mm-hmm. You know, like – but did it? Did anyone do a study? Did it draw more women to um, watching it? The, her team owner, which I wanted, was one of the announcer guys, Bobby Labani. One of Labani. Who's the guy that announces? Is it Bobby Labani? Billy Labarbone. It could be Billy Labarbone. <laughs> anyway, man, he said that she's good for merchandise. She sold advertisement, and he would know because that was who was getting paid. So he paid her. So were women more women watching the races and then buying stuff to see in the ads? Is that how? It I was mean, working? think of back when who's she was the, racing, the TVs didn't have cameras that could watch you, so we'll never know. Yeah. Nowadays, we know all that stuff. Who was one of who's one of the highest paid flat track riders? She's definitely the Jared highest paid singles. Don't call. Jared. I didn't say the highest. I said don't. one of the highest. And I don't know if he's the highest. He probably is. Don't call Carver a girl just because he has long hair. <laughs> Carver's. Maybe in the last two years has gotten up there, but yeah. uh, Shayna Texter, who's I mean, look, she's one of the only people in the singles field getting free bikes, especially in the last few years. You know, I mean, that is it's good for business because it's good for everyone when women ride motorcycles. Instead of highest paid women, I typed high women into the search <laughs> yeah. and see who we get. Uh-huh. Oh, some high women. Oh, Josh Stone, very high. Yeah. Randy Carlisle, extremely high. Is that Kobe Carlisle's sister? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's what's this one? What was that kid's name? But you know, I mean, and she's good and everyone roots for her because she's Dalton Gunter's sister. not necessarily because she's a female, but because she's a female, she's kind of an underdog and she goes out and everyone likes watching her put the fucking hurt into the dudes. I love it. It's fucking rad. Mm-hmm. More power to her. Like I support the shit out of that. Yeah. But 
She's the same size as Danny Pedrosa, though. She's <laughs> fucking so, tiny. But I think... Uh, That's the same size as me. And the same size <laughs> yeah. as you. So I don't know if size has as much to do with it. It definitely doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I it, think... It, I mean, size helps. I mean, I, there's days where I'm very envious of people who are six foot. Uh, six when foot you're two. racing motorcycles, it's opposite. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, but I kind of got over you that because even it's just more... I think even Rossi said he thinks it should be a rider bike limit, not a bike limit. Look at Nicky Hayden when he went to Europe. The dude lost like he looked like a fucking skeleton. Yeah. A very fit skeleton, but he was a different person when he went to GP. Yeah. You shed all your he had to. any any in subcutaneous fat like anything. Yeah. He was a big fucking American. <laughs> They're all you're a hundred and twelve. 25 pounds of raw muscle your overall weight though is only 135 so you're only your 10 yeah. your 10 pound skeleton <laughs> is, yeah. is i guess we're as low as you could go if you could cut some of that muscle yeah off, it'd be great mm-hmm. yeah that's why they're all getting bones. just hollow out your bones yeah there you go <laughs> like a bird um yeah that's interesting and uh going back to the moto gp pass see another, we need like for, a reason to watch for hooligans we need um like 200 pound women in like single pieces <laughs> with full tattoos everywhere yeah. on the that on the start amazing. like that's what we need for umbrella girls like holding yes. they need to like have a beer just and a, a cigarette beer gut. yeah they just they don't even i'm not even under the shade from the umbrella yeah arkansas they got, yeah they have a uh, a high life <laughs> and a camel and then they're like the umbrella is holding shade over them, and I'm yeah. like baking in the they're sun. Like shoving their <laughs> massive feet in some platforms. Yeah, they yeah. got the umbrella over like the <laughs> oyster bucket or something. And yeah. the next one, she weighs like 75 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> total opposite. Yeah. Like a wave. Yeah, <laughs> it does go either or in the south. <laughs> I was just saying at a hooligan event. Oh yeah, it could be go. like you know. That pretty well described ninety percent of the girls are born free. <laughs> <laughs> Zing, born free. Which one? The the first description. Both of them. <laughs> okay. well, and the girl that weighs ninety pounds, still mm. covered in tattoos, mm. with a cigarette and a beer. <laughs> I think you need to have a minimum of ten tattoos to get into born free. <sighs> yeah, they're born. like I have to pay a tax. I don't have enough. <laughs> I was gonna say they, they check for your grass pass and then they check for your tattoos. Yeah, all like, I do is like flash tattoos? my arms. I'm like, yeah. no, nah, I'm good, bro. Yeah. They look at me and they're like, hey. And I'm like, I'm not taking off my shirt in front of everyone, dude. <laughs> dad bod here. They're like, all right. There's plenty uh, of dad bods there. It, You'll fit right in. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, then you're uh, you're excused. Um, yeah. I Now that I've looked up high women and we've talked about racing, how are you How are you liking the MotoGP pass? And- it's good. I mean, I only just got it just like two or three days ago. So I'm barely dude. just even scratching the From what I anything. hear, you can go catch up on the pass as yeah, well. Yeah. So we watched the, the Austin race where uh, Marquez got booted out, fell down in the what 12th lap or whatever. Is that just this last week? Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert! Oh, oh sorry! Oops. Oops, my Too bad. late now. <laughs> Bleep that out. You know, um, you can go back to when it wasn't called GP, right? I mean, what was it called, Wiggs? Do you remember what it was called in like the 90s? It wasn't called MotoGP until like the 2000s, right? It was just called like... Uh, ever since I've been watching was it, it just, was it just called GP, Grand Prix? I think you're right for like Roberts and stuff. I, don't I think it was called Grand Prix then. Yeah, I don't remember. Instead of GP, being but called, that's what GP yeah. is. Because do you remember F1 too? I mean, that was a bike F1. Do you remember that? Mm. Like the Formula One? For, 
Maybe they called it Formula or Moto F1 or something, something like that. Maybe they did have that. For and it was a while. like gee, it know. was the same as like basically like the premier. In Twenty class. years, yeah. you're going to be like, what did they call flat track yeah. before <laughs> AFT? Yeah, <laughs> except I they... feel like AMA flat track is going to come back instead of AFT, but whatever. Ooh, hmm. shade thrown shots. There, fired. Are it's there so passes weird. to watch hooligan stuff? I think didn't you mention? Yeah, you just yeah, show up and buy a ticket. You just gotta have your Instagram account, and then it's all there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for AFT, it is uh, on Fans Choice. Fanschoice.tv. Wigs, you got Steve. <laughs> I. It took you guys like fifteen swings all over the place. I see him <laughs> once and just zap. Wiggins killed Steve. Um, there goes my pet. For, yeah, for Flat Track, it's all on Fans' Choice. You can watch it live, and then it's not the main event's not on there until after it's broadcast on ABC Sports. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's even on. And then it's supposed anymore. to go back on there, but I have trouble finding the ones I want. Yeah. Are you uh, able to like watch any archive footage? So, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there's a decent amount. Okay, but then like they're also they're at the one <laughs> show every year for Fans' Choice, and I haven't seen the archive uh, of it. And they don't, everyone's that, like, it's on there, but I can't find is it. Is that something you can watch on the TV? Like if you if you have an Apple TV or something? Yeah. Oh, you gotta have. That yeah, it's just TV. on your. Or it's like, basically like a web browser. It's just yeah, yeah. That was the same issue I had with the the MotoGP because we I bought the pass on my phone and I was like yeah, and then we were like, wait, how are we gonna get it onto the television? Yeah, we have an Apple TV, so I just go Apple TV. So is so you just connect it from your phone? Yeah. And then it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have like a the old ass Apple TV. Yeah, I have an old monitor like where I have to stand up and do the rabbit ears. Yeah, TV. exactly. No, I have it, but it's in the garage. It's like almost ten years old. It probably still works. Yeah, maybe, Apple makes some know. really good stuff. They, I thought they just got rid of Apple TV. We are not endorsed by Apple. Yeah, they're getting. I think you're right. Uh, they got rid of something of yeah. Apple. That's the problem with Apple and Google and all people like that is they get rid of stuff without really giving you a heads up or a replacement. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they... But they have something new. My phone just rebooted and was like, hey, we've got this new thing. And it's just like Apple TV, Mm. but it's not Apple TV. It's called Apple View or something. Yeah, the thing that pissed me off is when they messed up the podcast app. Because (sighs) before, on my phone, it was so much easier. I could sort it and organize it the way I wanted. And then I upgraded my OS, and then it just fucked it all up. When did that happen? Um, well, when I, I hold off on updating my phone, like I wait like two years. I was going to say, cause that was a problem people were having like last year with even me talking yeah. to other podcasts. No, I held off Apple on updating. It. Yeah. My OS was, so old. you updated it to the one where they messed it up. Now you need to update it again to the one where they fixed it again. Oh, I'll have to I know try. you'll do it in two years. Yeah, yeah. I'll just wait two more years. <laughs> um, I'm an old fart like that. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. We're all old farts in this room. And to remind us of that, I've got a sweet fart sound effect that sounds something like this. And uh, as a segue into our, our next segment, you guys... You guys had stuff to talk about, right? Yeah, but I'm I feel getting... like it'll take up too much time on mine because I had this like because a... we spent <laughs> an hour and forty five minutes talking about decent track bikes and umbrella girls. <laughs> what I mean, I take full blame. I'm not saying it wasn't my fault. I'm just saying some people have said the show. That's our show. Tangent. That's oh, our show, yeah, folks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back next week with some topics, maybe. <laughs> we still got 45 minutes left if you guys want to do a little quick 15 and 15. Um, or- yeah, I mean, I was going to talk a little bit about moto camping. I know I had to say that because if I say 20 and 20, we'll go like 60 and 60. <laughs> so. My topic's short. Hers could be 20 and could be twenty and yeah, 10. Yeah, I think I can do 15. doesn't have to be that long. 
good because I don't want you to go that long for reals because I know it will. It, it will <laughs> you got 11 and a half and so does Wade. All right. All right. Let me amp it up. All right. Um, Do you want some intro music for this? Yeah, let's roll it. All right. Uh, some real intro music coming up right here roll for Jay's. Beautiful it's a bean nice footage. Long fart. <laughs> now, introducing Jay's segment called. I feel like moto camping. Woo! I feel like moto camping. Woo! <laughs> On creative writing, motorcycle podcast, podcast for discerning listeners. I couldn't find the off button. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Part. So I was just going to say, you know, the weather is changing in some areas, some areas, not quite. I, I feel like we're getting redundant on this show. Um, but yeah, camping season is upon us for some of us who like to do that sort of stuff. So I was just going to talk a little bit about some do's, don'ts, maybe some tips, some um, stuff for packing. Maybe you guys can uh, give some feedback on that. But I've, I've never gone, so I'd love to give lots yeah, of feedback. Have you for real never? Not moto camping. No? No. Oh, wow. Screw that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I did once. It was hard because you can't take firewood and you, it's really hard to take booze. You can yeah. take firewood. I've seen dudes strap on like two big ass bundles on each side of their, their real men. Look at their me. Their rear tire. I've I, seen it. <laughs> I had a Harley. Yeah. I wasn't about to scratch that thing. He was, on, he was on Harley too. Yeah. Even when he, I had a dirt bike, I never went moto camping. <laughs> so let's hear it. How do you? How do we pack? Um, yeah. So the it's for me. I'm a chronic overpacker. So it's I've learned over the years to kind of narrow it down to the essentials and then kind of if I have space to put maybe a few of the luxury items and hope it's not the straw that broke the banana's back. But um, <clears throat> I think the most important thing is just preparing when you're going to go moto camping. Uh, I learned the hard way when I went, I think it was either last year or the year before, uh, I was on the Harley and we were going to go up the coast about, I think the trip turned out to be 1,400 um, miles round trip. And so I looked at the rear tire and there was just a little, there's maybe 40, 30% life left on the tire. 30 or 40 cords showing there on yeah, the back tire. Yeah, but I was just like, <laughs> uh, I was being a cheap asshole. And I was like, no, I think I can make it. I can eke it out of those tires. And sure enough, about halfway through the trip, we stopped in at a gas station and I looked down and it was, yeah, it was pretty much like bare. And the tread was pretty much all gone. And so we were headed to some campsites that definitely had dirt and gravel. And um, considering that that bike, even though it was a Sportster, I I probably had about my weight plus 40 pounds. So almost maybe (laughs) a little over 120 pounds of gear on the bike. So it was like pretty much like riding two up on it. Um, I got lucky and I was able to change out the tire at a Harley dealership that was literally a block away. So um, check your tires. Don't be cheap. Get some fresh tires on there. Like you, you're, if you're going to be riding, depending on how many miles you're going to be going, you definitely want something that has some life in it because uh, dropping a couple hundred at a dealership was not in the budget at the time. It was not fun. Um, so yeah, just doing basic pre-ride maintenance 
Uh, make sure your PSI is good. That was something else that I learned that I never would check my PSI and the bike started getting like these gnarly wobbles in it and I could not for the life <laughs> of me figure it out. And it was like yeah. the simplest fix. Was you know, why are my tires cupped <laughs> and my bike just steers so slow? Yeah. yeah, I had that issue on the Harley frequently and it turned out to be I wasn't keeping up on the PSI in the front tire. That's one of the craziest things. Well, I mean, to remember for some people, it's just like, you know, putting on a helmet. But mm. for me too, I, I have to consciously think every time I ride, oh, I need to look at this before I go out. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I'm just going down the street. That's the other benefit of... Oh, look, you had me off. That's the other <laughs> benefit of like only riding the track is you always do the PSI. Right. I rarely do it on the street. Yeah, yeah I know. My I've been getting some vibrations in the banana. I think my, my tires are a little bit low, so I need to... Well, and the, if you're riding them a lot too, if you run them low... So one in the front, you can tell it's like heavy to steer. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, but if you do run them low, you'll get cupping. You'll you'll yeah. prematurely wear your tires out, and that's never. Yeah, that's what happened to Ashley. She to recently had to change her tires because her front tire was like massively cupped. Yeah. I also just learned something recently on tire. I don't want to get too far off this. I told you we could go fifteen yeah, minutes. I know, right? I don't want to get tangent. too far off this uh, <laughs> this topic. But on tires, if you are mounting your own tires. Make sure you look for the markings. Make sure you put the drive going toward, you know, mm-hmm. the right way around. And I just learned that there's this yellow dot on a lot of tires <laughs> that is where the valve stem goes. Yeah, it's supposed to go where the valve stem goes. It's supposed goes. to go because it's like the, uh, they, the tires nowadays, they the kind tire. of balance them. Yeah. yeah, before they, they're like, you know, tires nowadays almost don't even need to be balanced. Mm-hmm. But, um, Sometimes they don't put that on there, or sometimes they put it real subtle. And I was like looking at Spamla because she's always had like a kind of a front end wobble. And I was looking at it and I was like, is this the yellow dot way up over here? Because I put my own front tire yeah. on and I didn't see a yellow dot. And there's this tiny thing. It's I- on the tire, like the side of the wall of the tire? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the light spot in the tire, I believe, because the valve stem is the heavy spot of the tube or the heavy spot of the wheel. So then you line it up with where the valve stem is. Yeah, you're, so you're supposed to line it up. But oh, I see they it. also Isn't that it right there? Yep, there's yeah. one right there. See, yeah, mine's see not it. right there on my tire. That's why I didn't see it. Mm. Mine, the guy, like, fell as he was doing it, and it's way up here. <laughs> They'll also... So <laughs> usually I've... I guess a, maybe I've had a shop do a tire and they've done it, but I've never balanced a wheel from tire to tire. New tires are so good that I've never they had are. an issue. Um, your rims, however, like once your rims are balanced, then you should not need to balance a tire. I'm not even sure the RC has wheel weights on it hmm. at all. It's probably not even balanced. And so like a lot of – like I know Trusty Rusty, those wheels come off pretty balanced. So I've never like even – done any of that yeah stuff. technically your wheels balanced you should balance tire but definitely check them right and yeah. check the air, well, the, air pressure the, basically the takeaway is just do a once over on your bike if yeah. you're going to be riding it for a lot of miles you know you're going to be putting it through its paces especially if you have it loaded up with gear like yeah me. if you're putting extra weight on it too you should yeah. probably go up a and, little and PSI. depending yeah. on the terrain you're going to be in you always should be prepared if whatever the circumstance maybe you might have a temporary gravelly terrain you still need to be prepared make sure your bike is ready for it um this is another cheat code before you go to the next thing i just listened to a guy that works at bridgestone on another podcast and he said if your tire is part of your suspension so the more weight like you're saying the more weight you have on it you need to go up to the max Mm -hmm. that it says on the tire minus two a guy 
who for a suspension challenge brought that topic up. <laughs> I was just going to say that. But yeah, he said jacket all the way up to the top minus two PSI. Mm. And that'll set your tire. Uh, it'll give you the firmness that you need to put loaded up. So nice, nice. I like this. I like where this is going. And then the track totally throws a wrench in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're not, we talked about the track already. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for me, especially um, riding twins, torque your bolts. I've had so many bolts come off of the Harley and I've even actually noticed that my seat bolt on the banana was loose um, when I was doing some maintenance. So, um, yeah, this thing's dropped a bolt. <laughs> I had to go order a new Honda shouldered, special shouldered bolt. And yeah. A, and I had and just, the spacer and the rubber. Yeah. And just riding on the road does that. So if you're mm-hmm. going for a long ass trip. Yeah. Yeah. I had like several times I've had my mirrors almost fall off because they weren't because <laughs> of the vibration. I lost three horns on the road on various different road trips because I had mounted it in a spot that was like, right on the front suspension so it was just getting jostled around like hell um and then of course if you have a chain um just make sure it's lubed up cleaned ready to go do you take excuse me do you take chain lube with you when you go moto camping i haven't on the few times that i went up the coast on the banana not yet and but i'm also headed up towards like where the misfits are and stuff so i figured like you know there's chain lube where you're going yeah exactly always go to a campsite or a off-road destination that has chain lube laying around if it's a maybe you have to harvest it from the local bushes or go to a local motorcycle store yeah spamala and i think this thing actually might call for chain lube every like five or six hundred miles which is like every other tank of gas and i mean that's a lot that's if what i do in a week i know that's the thing like that's <laughs> I why i just have, would have to carry it with me yeah that's why I, I was what wondering. i try to do on mine is like because i am averaging like I did the numbers today because I have in under six months, I already have over 11,000 miles yeah. that I've racked. <laughs> so I'm at av- my average daily average. If I'm riding, say I brought, I do ride seven days a week, pretty much maybe there's one day a month that I don't ride. Um, but it's about 75 to a hundred miles average. Um, but yeah, what I try to do in the morning is I'll just squirt a little bit, and then I try. I've been trying to clean it more frequently, but it's really hard with my schedule. But I, I'm trying to make it more a regimen. Um, so also, like things to keep in mind. Um, I know for me on the Harley, it had the Sportster. It had a small tank. So when we went to Arizona, I definitely strapped on a gas can because there was one stretch where I think it was just like about a hundred miles between the next gas station and that was like my max um mileage i could get out of that tank maybe 120 if i was like really going slow but that was pushing it so i usually like to pack a gas can just to be on the safe side and then obviously if you have coolant or whatever just anything that you think could go wrong just make sure do you use one of those like roll-up gas cans or like you know those they're they're like bags kind of i don't know about those I turn us down every time she's talking. I, know, Sorry. I, I have seen those. Those look pretty rad. They're kind of, I want to say they're kind of expensive. Can yeah. you vouch for them? Are they good? Are they, I haven't used one. It's like a rubber, so I don't know how I'll it holds up over time. Yeah, it's like yeah. a little bladder so that you don't have to take up a that, big old. That's something I'll have to look into because I think that, because we're, we're doing our annual trip, so it's coming up soon. So we'll be leaving uh, probably in June. 
And we're going to try to go a little bit further this time. So I'll look into that. I mean, yeah. every hot setup now on all these ADV bikes too is to have Rotopacks. And Rotopacks has, uh, you know, red and then white and blue, which is like for, or red and black and white for like, gas oil and water or something mm. like that so like it's and the, and they ball there's like a little system where you can like stack them on top of each other yeah, on your bike yeah. but you got to get the mounting system for it this thing you just roll up and put nice. it in your backpack i would just carry yeah on the you Harley could pretty or... well throw it over a fender or oh, something okay. yeah, 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 yeah. right on the harley i would just get like a big ass water bottle and just put my oil in there <laughs> and then like every 500 miles i would just top it off because i had so much blow by so i was just eating up the oil triumphs yeah. too <laughs> yeah older triumphs at like least. my leg would just be black by the end of the trip <laughs> but um yes yeah, so, so fluids carry fluids too right if, i mean if necessary yeah for the harley yeah i had to carry oil not on the banana it's not like that it's pretty pretty good oil and gas but definitely gas three pounds then, of grass Definitely essentials. So your for me, it's the best thing I installed was the piggyback USB port that allows you to charge whatever accessories you have. My phone battery is shit, so it's constantly going dead, especially if I'm using GPS, um, which I rely heavily on. And then I also play music constantly on my headset, so I need a charger for my headset and my phone. So I just alternate. So I have a really long cable for my Cena headset, and I just plug it in um, halfway through for about an hour and then I'll swap it out and plug in my, my phone charger. Yeah. And that those things, I mean, every, we're so uh, battery dependent in, in this generation. I feel like, like, you know, whether we're relying on GPS or comms or just an emergency phone in case you do get stuck, and you need to call somebody or get hurt. Like, yeah, you need that shit to be charged. Yep, yep. And even, and so uh, also related to that is I also on top of it do carry at least three backup chargers just because if we're camping or whatever, I can't charge off the bike overnight because I don't want to be like some of the women at Babes Right Out who um, <laughs> thought they could use their headlamp to light their campsite. But anyways, um, so yeah, I always bring those. And then when I'm riding, I can alternately charge that up as well so it's just kind of like rotating through whatever i'm charging um and then also i do bring um for we've only been traveling far distances mostly in california and to arizona recently so i carry like a paper map just in case for whatever reason um in an emergency and I also, because we did some of our trips during January, it was getting cold as fuck. So I had some heated gear. So that was another thing that I was relying off of the battery. Um, I wonder why that, I wonder if that's what killed my stator (laughs) in the, in the Harley is all of the, or the, the volt regulator. Could have been. Uh, Sometimes uh, when something goes dead and it's getting, you know, more volts because your battery, you know, you're putting out, it'll put out a lot more than 12 volts once right. it starts. Right. So, I mean, sometimes, yeah, if that goes dead, you're, you'll get like, things will start quit working like headlights and other stuff. They'll burn out because there's too much voltage coming through. Now the voltage regulator dies. Yeah. And yeah, everything will start passing through the, to the next thing. Did you have a lot of stuff going bad? Um, well, I had the, the stator and the volt regulator went out huh. on the Harley. I was just wondering if it was maybe from from pulling too much current off of or it. Or just I have getting no idea. T-boned on that side yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, so other essentials that I always like to bring is I bring Loctite because I've had to do that on the side of the road. I bring duct tape and zip ties 
and You're starting to sound like a serial killer. <laughs> then a tarp and an axe and a really long knife. <laughs> <laughs> Hockey mask. But I actually do have on my notes here a field initiative knife. Nice. So just a little fancy. You know, carry carry along something. Um but yeah, I do carry a lot of uh I do carry several knives when I'm camping. Just as um I've done it by myself where I'm camping by myself and I'm a small person and you know there's been times where I've been alone and I don't want to be vulnerable so I've had some self-defense uh tools with me also toilet paper that's really essential I've used that a couple times on the side of the road uh, I used poison ivy a couple times not as good as toilet paper I got to tell you and a little pro tip, always put it in like a Ziploc bag because if you do ca- get caught in the rain, there's nothing worse than a soggy roll of toilet paper. In I your thought bag. you meant after you use it to keep bears from like tracking <laughs> you down. <laughs> You're like, put it in a Ziploc. You don't want somebody coming and cloning you from your shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are my main essentials. Like with every trip, even if it's a little bit of a shorter trip, those are usually the things that I do bring with me. Um, but also, like I started this off with, I'm on a chronic overpacker so it just depends on the person who's writing i was gonna say damn that sounds like stuff i'd bring like on a week-long trip <laughs> short trips i bring you my helmet and gloves me on the last one man i showed you pictures right that uh, on the time i took the harley the bike was loaded oh, yeah. back on the sissy bar it was taller than me yeah i'll have to show you the picture there but um so luggage it depends on what type of bike you're riding i always on the banana i have saddle bags i never had saddle bags on the harley i always just relied on the big duffel um but uh, a tank bag is really useful so i use uh, right now my daily rider has a small tank bag just because i keep my chargers in there but for longer rides i usually have a bigger one because i can put like the toilet paper and the food and snacks and stuff like that um also plan how you're gonna pack Because my very first trip, I just shoved it all into one bag. And I didn't think about, like, what would I need to get to first. So now I usually, like, okay, if I need warmer layers, I put that on the very top, the most accessible thing. Because there were times when we were going up to Monterey, and we would just hit this. It'd be warm, like, in L.A. And then you hit that pass, what is it, on the 5, like, by Lancaster. And it's just, like, it was, like, 20-mile-per-hour winds and cold cold like 20 degrees colder and so i had to pull over and just like put throw on a bunch of extra layers Um, so it's really good to make sure that you have that stuff as far as layers i like these like compression shirts that you can get at cycle gear because they work in warm weather and cold weather so like um like yesterday i was wearing one and it was warmer at work but i just kind of uh, like spritz myself with a little bit of water and it helps like cool me down but then also when it's cold because it's com- it's close to your body it also can trap the heat if you have another layer on top yes that that is a picture of me <laughs> where do you um get the like the base layers and stuff like that where do you um, go for yours well the short sleeve base layer that i got i got from cycle gear i got it like it's good to buy it when it's off season because that's when they have the clearance yeah. um so i just got the clearance for for that stuff and then i got a really nice uh i can't remember the brand off of revzilla it's for women it zips up which is really nice because it makes it so much easier to take off and it's long sleeve starts with a d <laughs> Uh, I can't remember. Then is it an ADV? Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, okay. 
Um, I was like, that's the only thing I could think of too that starts with the D. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it was a bit, I feel like it was a bit pricey. Yeah. It was like 110, but I literally like, I have it in my bag right now cause it looked like it was going to be kind of cold tonight. So I, I usually keep that with me. Um, and then for base layers during IMS, like five years ago, there was some company that was selling base layers and I, that's where I got my lower, lower layer, um, for my legs. <clears throat> yeah. I, and cycle gear and, uh, I want to say cycle gear and, uh, God, what's that other one that always sends like gear stuff out? I forget. But, um, I think cycle gear, cycle gear, but I, there's another one I'm trying to think of. That's like know. another jobber like that. And they're always offering like these weird brands I've never heard of, mm-hmm. but they're like the ones that make stuff. That's like the only ones that make like there's base layers that'll keep heat in base layers that'll wick sweat away base yeah. layers that'll do both. Yeah. Like, I it's have really one that is really good. It's kind of like has like a fleece lining. That's my heavier duty one. And I only bring that if I know it's going to be really cold where I'm going. Cause it's thicker and it's harder to pack small. Like I'm actually wearing a base layer right now Yeah, and it keeps, it insulates me, but it's really, it rolls up to smaller than a hot dog. Yeah. So like small, like this sounds funny too, but in the summertime, sometimes I'll wear my leather jacket and it feels not, doesn't feel cooler. That's a silly thing to say, but it uh, kind of makes me not as hot because Mm -hmm. I can feel when I touch the outside of it, how hot it is. Right. But on the inside, it's just what body heat I'm trapping in there. And of course I'm hot and I'm getting, but it's not anywhere near what the sun is especially yeah. here in SoCal, gets on you. So sometimes it's kind of weird. Yeah, I get that. Get Steve's brothers coming back for revenge. Um, sometimes it, it's uh, counterintuitive as to what can be um, like well, more protective. Well, if that outer layer can absorb the heat, then it's going to do the job so that uh, then you have like that cooler air underneath yeah. it. So that, and then especially if you have vents that will allow the cooler air yeah. to, to flow through. I talked about this a couple of years ago too though. Uh or at least like a year and a half ago when it was really hot here is that when you're riding, cause I, uh, ridden, I've ridden out to the desert a couple of times, um, or out that way. And if you're in mesh gear, you're going to dehydrate faster mm-hmm. because the wind yeah. blows all your sweat yep. away and then yep. you don't have when like, you're, like if the air is so dry and hot, mesh gear is hotter. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be sweating and leather and the sweat cools you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, That's, my leather, that's why I feel like it, because I, w- I was hot in there, but then once you open the vents, it lets like the air, air in to hit you, yeah. but it doesn't blow out the back then because like yeah. it's holding it in. So it just kind of like cooled me you know, they kept say, the sun off too. Like uh, old timers, like early 1900s, you'd see like the old farmers and stuff and like long, yeah. like the long underwear material, mm-hmm. long yeah. stuff in the summer. And that was why, because it. It was so hot, it kept the sun off of them, but then their sweat would kind of yeah. help keep them cool. Right. Well, it's kind of like in the Middle East where the guys yep. wear those long flowing robes. Yeah. All of their skin is pretty much covered, but yeah. then they have that airflow. And then they're actually cooler being more covered yeah. because the air is so hot and so dry. Yeah. In Morocco, yeah, the Touaregs and stuff and the, some of the Berbers, they wear actually darker. You're like, dude, you're wearing a black like cloak <laughs> basically in the yeah. – the, but it's because it's like – doesn't reflect light back up into your eye. Like if you were white, you'd be blind, mm, you know, in okay. the desert. So, it, and 
there's so many layers. That first layer, sure, it's absorbing all the heat, but then after that, everything underneath, like it's actually, mm-hmm. I've heard that it's actually like 68 degrees if you reach under inside. <laughs> <laughs> Your fingers freeze. Light heat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, speaking of shock. heat, writing in heat, um, I didn't realize this until I started writing with Ashley because she burns really easily. And so she took her helmet off one time during the summer and she had just like a sunburn on yeah. her face where the the visor was. Yeah. So definitely if you're going to be riding in heat, even if you're wearing sunglasses and most of your face is covered, any part that's like getting hit by those UV rays, it's going to burn you yeah. for, if you're out there for a little <laughs> bit of time. You can be like in a swimming pool and have – a hat on but the wa- the sun reflecting off the water mm-hmm. up underneath can burn your face yeah. just as easy so yeah anywhere that's even you think is covered yeah and then another thing that i didn't learn until i looked in the bathroom and i saw a, a an accumulation of chapsticks because every time we were on the road our <laughs> lips would get dry because we yeah. always forgot to pack it and so now i literally have a ziploc bag full of at least 12 chapsticks at home yeah. <laughs> but so now and I've it's learned- good to get them with the spf protection too. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go yeah. But yeah, definitely chapstick. That was something that I it took me a while to figure out. But that chapstick helps. and sunblock. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Ashley loves for for staying hydrated. Uh, getting a like a Camelback or some sort of hydration pack is really really great because you can just stick the little the the tube under your helmet and just drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what I do is when it's really really hot is I fill it up about halfway to three quarters and I freeze it. And then when we're ready to go, then I put water in the rest of that, fill it up. And then that, as it slowly melts, you get nice ice cold yeah, water. Bam. And then if you're wearing it on your back, it cools your back. So it's that's a really good tip. Um, For those of you in Wisconsin, it's it's known as just <laughs> taking your camel back outside right now. <laughs> It'll just, freeze. <laughs> yeah, just uh, put it in the microwave. Heat <laughs> you're going to want to heat it up opposite. a little bit. One of the... It's not really relative for camping, but long moto trips. One of the biggest things is like t-shirts, socks, and underwear. Don't try to like keep it or wash. Some people will like you can mail it home to yourself, but just throw it out and go to Walmart and get like a bag of white t-shirts and a bag of socks and a bag of underwear. Yeah. And then as you run out, you just get more. Like it's cheap enough. It's mm-hmm. not worth trying to wash. It's not worth trying to carry around. Yeah. Make sure you put them in a Ziploc well, bag I, in the woods. Yeah, though, what I yeah. usually do is I, I only pack two pairs of clothes, what, what I'm wearing and then what I'm going to change into if there's an emergency. And I have a lot of the layers that you can just – they're easy to wash and they dry really quick. Yeah, And so that way uh, it doesn't right. take much. The base layer thing like with the – like what we're saying, the, the stuff that insulates you, it is weird because it's made of this material that does that. It right, sucks stuff right. away, but then it dries super so that's, fast yeah, when you that's wash exactly. it. Exactly. Right? So I only bring like one t shirt, one like flannel, and then I have all of those un- like the the under layers, which I can wash really easily. Yeah. And then there's like washable underwear that's made of that same material. So you just need if you wear underwear or if you want to go commando. Just go commando. <laughs> Don't even wipe your butt. Just like throw your pants away every two days. <laughs> um, but <for laughs> I heard me, that's real cheap. Um, yeah, so that's really yeah. Don't packing a bunch of like Blake said. It's not clothes is like the biggest thing that takes up the most space if you overpack it. So yeah. that's what I I don't some, really spend much time on. Some some people pack so many clothes. Yeah. It's like if you're motorcycle it's camping, not, you're gonna wear the same t-shirt. Show, yeah. yeah. You're going to wear the same t-shirt And I'm for like a that anyways days. as a commuter. I've literally been wearing these pants. Like I haven't washed these pants in a week. I, I wear them every single day and 
There's also a lot, um, a lot of stuff at REI for again, like socks and underwear and stuff that you can just rinse out. Yeah, and they yeah, dry that's quick. Exactly what I say. And it's like that's kind of washes them. So yeah, you can. A- also go a week, Charlie Borman and Ewan McGregor, who famously camped mm-hmm. around the world sideways and up and down, said that there's the two and two rule. You wear your underwear for two days one way and then flip them inside out and wear them two days <laughs> the other way. Another thing. I, I have done that. And then, <laughs> then throw them away. Yeah. Socks. Another <laughs> thing that I really like for um, staying hydrated kind of is those cliff blocks, those little square blocks. They're real easy to eat. There's a lot of electrolytes and stuff in them. They're kind of like know a, that. are they a goo? Like a goo? No, stuff? it's like a it's like a gummy. Huh? They're like I didn't these even little know about like that. blocks. Yeah, they're not really going to keep you hydrated per se, but they do help with electrolytes and stuff. Which, if when you run out of electrolytes, yeah. you are dehydrated. Yeah. Another so. one for electrolytes is that quench gum that they sell at like oh, I didn't know that either. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I put that in my tank bag because because it's, it's real easy to eat and it's real small and store yeah. right. You know, if yeah. you cut, yeah. it's not going to spill or right. like right. So that. It's yeah. like a liquid is yeah. actually in liquid. Speaking of moto camping, is pretty heavy. So any liquids you're going to be carrying is yeah. going to add a lot of extra weight to your bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, especially if you're carrying mercury around for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I always that's the one thing that is heavier, but I do like to pack a, a more because especially Ashley, she gets dehydrated really quickly for some reason. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to remember these. You guys got <laughs> good suggestions. Uh, so yeah, and she's always drinking the water, and so and the camel pack. And if you don't want to wear the camel pack, what I'll do sometimes is I just strap it to the tank bag, and then you just can access the tube that way too. Um, and then some of those bags you can just put magnets in them, so then you don't need a tank bag, and they also double as a backpack. So it's kind of like a multi-use. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, Unless you have a plastic gas tank, then you're hosed. <laughs> I used to drink gasoline once in a while, and then when I needed to, just uh, would pee in the gas tank and uh, kept me hydrated, and I didn't have to stop yeah. as often. Well, and also, like, I mean, if you, I, I don't really drink alcohol, but if you do drink, just remember that it does dehydrate you. So if you're gonna yeah. like drink that night, just make sure that you do stay hydrated because fatigue and all of those things set in super fast if you're dehydrated or you're tired or there's a lot of like extreme weather that you're riding through. Yeah. So that's so just something to keep in mind. Moto camp responsibly. And stay on top of being dehydrated. I rode across to Arizona one time where I kinda got behind with it. It was also a super hot day and I was trying to ride across to Arizona. But it's like I couldn't digest the water fast enough to rehydrate. Oh man! But I also felt sick because I had so much water that I was mm-hmm. drinking to try to Slide rehydrate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just like you're I pretty was, much redlining at that point. Yeah, like I had too much water in my stomach, but I was dehydrated and I couldn't rehydrate because it was also so hot and dry. Yeah, it was a bad. Uh, it was a short day. It didn't, yeah, I mean it. I made yeah. it pretty far, but not near as far as yeah, I wanted that, to. Yeah, that's the once you don't want to be in that situation where you're trying to play catch up to like getting yeah. back to baseline because it it that's I've done that both in and cold weather and hot weather and it's definitely right. not and it just fun. but it just like ruins your day. Yeah, yeah. Like totally, it, it, totally. If you're trying to make it so far you're not going to make it that far. Well, and that's what I was going to go into as far as like planning the trip is make sure that you, you know, figure out how many miles you're going to do in a day and make it something that's manageable because we would often overshoot it and we try to push ourselves a little bit more. And on our last trip up the coast, we just could never make it to the campsite on time. 
because something would happen and we were like putting too many miles and we were planning for too many miles in a day. And so then um, like twice we got to the campsite and the campsite closed Oh, just snap. like an hour before. Oh, so then we were like in this area that we didn't know. And we were like just trying to figure out, are we going to get a hotel? Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And that was a really stressful. And then my battery was about to die. And because Ashley had to use the charger. And so it was just a really stressful situation. So just like make sure that, okay, if it's a 300 mile day, then we'll be able to have time to like kind of meander around and then not have to stress about getting to the campsite. Um, my rule of thumb is like about a max if you're trying to enjoy anything is 500 miles. Yeah. And that's, you're still like, you're humping pretty good at 500 miles in a day mm-hmm. and it's still a very long day. Mm-hmm. Like you're still talking 10 or 12 hours on the bike. Well, especially imagine if it's really like I had that happen when we came back down the coast. Um, we were just trying to get it down in one day and I think it, we were pushing it past 400 and the wind, the last half of it, it was just super like through the, the salad bowl area mm-hmm. and it was just windy, windy. And that just, I was just like my, I was just having like a arm pump, arm pump, yeah. like serious arm pump. I got home and my, like just my forearms were pulsating and achy. Yeah. And you also have to be aware of the roads around. Cause like you said, on the coast, you're doing a little over 500 or 400 and that's a super long way. Like 500 is like a freeway day. You know, you can push, and I, I know there's people that do a thousand. I've done eight fifty in a day, and I've done, yeah, but those aren't like enjoyable trips. You know, that's no. like an iron butt. You know, yeah, what yeah, mean? yeah. And I when I did eight fifty, it was like you're just it's all day, it, like end of the night, pretty late. Like it's a long ass day. It's mm-hmm. it's hard. So for three to five hundred, depending what kind of roads you're on, is. Yeah, Is it really about the max. You'd be surprised. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's only like two hundred miles," and then you're like, you know, again, you know, I've also done a lot of days where you ride like two or three hundred miles in a day, and you see a lot, and you go a lot of places. It's not that bad, but if you're trying to get from point A to point mm-hmm. B and set up a camp, yeah, like three, four, five hundred miles is really going to be your max, yeah. especially because it's not like you're gonna get on a freeway, go 500 miles, pull off the freeway and the campsite's right there. Yeah, And it's a, you also have to figure, because we discovered this when we were going up, up the coast the last time, they had some road closures. There was some issue with the, the recent rains where the, what was it? <laughs> Malibu. Uh, the, I was looking PC. up, I was trying to see, see faces you might make <laughs> being on the freeway Jerky that long. is pulling up some fucking weird ass pictures yeah, distracting yeah. us right now. It's called now. gurning, you guys. Check it out. <laughs> um... But so because certain roads were closed down, there were detours and then that added like an extra few hours to our trip. So you just have to always kind of have a plan A, B and sometimes even C in your pocket if you're doing a multi-day trip. This is how the three of us are going to look after (laughs) our escape from L.A. That's how I look when I'm just humping it on a 400 mile day. (laughs) That's definitely my the first picture. That's my facial expression. This one right here? Yeah. Good audio. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and definitely, uh, you know, I don't know. That's why electric motorcyclists supposedly have the the best trips because they have to stop and enjoy the scenery for a few hours everywhere they go. (laughs) Um, But just to summarize a few of the important things, um, first aid definitely is something to keep in one of your bags. I've had times where I've needed, like I've had, just small cuts or whatever but if you're like especially when we were going to campsites and stuff uh you don't want like a cut and then dirt and 
shit on animals or whatever around to get infected. So I would always carry like band-aids and then like something to clean it with, like a an alcohol, something that I can pack like those wipes. Just dip your finger in the gas tank. <laughs> That's true. And then um, kind of like an ointment and then just wrap it up in a couple of band-aids or whatever. Um, and then trauma kits, I learned that from, I think I was listening to the Misfits pod. Um, I have a, a trauma kit that has like a, I think it's like a tourniquet and like gauze just for an emergency situation. Not necessarily, not necessarily, you don't want to have to use it, but just in case. Um, and then I always pack ibuprofen. I, I pack like <laughs> a full bottle and it's about half gone by the end yeah. of the trip. Not only is it good for headaches for when you're getting dehydrated and you can't, uh, pull back but it also is good for um inflammation so, yeah oh yeah totally totally yeah. and i'm very susceptible all of my body parts get inflammation yeah um but then also something that really helps is and i learned this from camping at the campsites there are some really noisy ass campsites and i don't mean noisy by people i just mean by like all the that, sounds in the forest. The damn nature, and, all those damn, damn bugs. Freaking nature's being all Side around. note, there are really noisy people at campgrounds. And just, I'm going to assume none of our listeners are assholes like this. If you go to a campground, I there is a 100% chance no one, no one wants to hear your fucking music. Past 11 o'clock at night. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't care what time of day it is. No one at that campground wants to hear your fucking music. Yeah. I promise you. Especially you guys. No one. Don't take sublime. a fucking portable speaker. Don't <laughs> fucking leave your car doors open and your car running well, so you can hear music. RVs, they have it just like it the don't. One, the one don't side it I doesn't matter to. who you are. Yeah. Don't play your fucking music at yeah. a campground. Yeah, no. that's like that needs to be rule number one. People go to nature don't for nature, it. no matter yeah. what time of day it is. Last, right. not last time I went camping, but a couple of times ago, like someone across the way, like two different people, like. Mm-hmm. One one day and one the next day playing. I'm like, no. Yeah. If you want to do that, go to a fucking park in town. Yeah. Like if you drive all the way out here, the only fucking noise I want to hear is a bear shit yeah. in the woods. Yeah. The only time I felt, because on my Sounds Harley amazing, I had a really loud exhaust. The only time I felt guilty about the loud, loud exhaust was when I went to a campsite. Because I did. I agree. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I felt like and all these nature- I don't want to disturb. <laughs> but that's like also a few minutes. Like yeah, people yeah, exactly. play their music for. Hours. Oh no! I was sitting there in the morning, just warming my bike up, yeah, right? it for like twenty minutes, doing burnouts, in the- <laughs> <laughs> no, letting it run while you load it up. I can burn out on this log. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So for small people, pro tip: when you're loading up your bike and you're at a campsite, plan ahead because um, my girlfriend has a seizure condition and she had a seizure on one of our trips. No shit. Yeah. And was she riding pillion? Or? She was on the motorcycle when it happened, which scared the With fucking you? shit out of me. No, she was on her bike. Oh, she damn. had enough awareness that she, we were on talking on the headsets and she's like, there's something's wrong. And so I thought it was with her bike. So I look in my mirror because she always rides behind me and she pulls over to the side and then a second letter, later, I see her slumped over the bike her whole body is shaking, and I'm just just like freaking out. But, um, anyways, that wasn't the point of what I was saying. So we had this was up in San Luis Obispo. So I had to our campsite. We had uh, all our stuff there because we were in town. I got you. And so I had to go back because I was like, we. 
I don't know if you can ride because her head gets really weird after it and it takes at least a day for her to like okay, get right. back to normal yeah. mentally. And so I was like, okay, you know, you can't be riding. We have this campsite, all our stuff. So we just need to come back to the city and stay in a hotel for the night. So I had to go back to the campsite to load up all of our gear and that was her gear and my gear. So the stuff that was on her bike was now going to be on my bike. Yeah, damn. And so we had a campsite that was at the top of the hill. So I was like, okay. So I spent about an hour just packing everything up, got it onto the bike. Well, when I had put my bike up to the campsite, I had parked it with the nose facing down. But, like, it was, like, parallel to going straight down. So the kickstand, as you can imagine, you know, wants to go back. With you put more weight on it, it's right. gonna want to definitely go back, and the bike's gonna want to go forward. So I I was stressed out, so I wasn't really thinking about that whole scenario. So as I get the bike loaded up, I put the last thing on there, and then I go to get on the bike, and the bike just starts slipping down. Roll and I'm it. It, this bike was it was a Harley, it had all this stuff on it. I weighed less than a buck ten, so I was just like freaking the fuck out. So I grabbed the front brake. I was able to get it into a position where it could be stable just momentarily. And I literally had to like flag somebody down to help me to just get me to get Man. the bike upright and go down without toppling over. Yeah. But just like things like that scenarios where you want to plan it, especially if you're smaller, because, you know, oftentimes I'm traveling with a lot of this stuff and I am a small person. I'm five foot one and, and a quarter on a good day. So, um, Worst case scenario, you fall over, <laughs> you have to unpack everything off the bike yeah, and then butt lift it, which is which like... Which we did at a campsite yeah. another time where some, we got in late, so I couldn't see, and I went to go up a hill, and I hit a bump, yep. and then I just went... On, and on street <laughs> tires and dirt, it's so easy to... Yeah. That stuff happens all and it's that's so what we easy. That. We had to unpack the entire bike, and yeah. then Ashley and I righted it up. But yeah, just I think the number one thing is always planning ahead. Um, that definitely will make just any situation better. Um, I've had to learn that over the years because sometimes I'll just go like full throttle into something and then like shit will fall apart. And then, you know, I'm trying to fix the pieces or whatever. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And so summarizing that budget money, uh, that's always the number one thing that we think about on trips because we're not millionaires, not thousandaires. Yeah. You mean <laughs> that new my- tire on your Harley probably was throwing a cramp into oh, your Oh, yeah. Trip. That was definitely a big chunk out of my paycheck. Um, so we figured that campsites, you can find free campsites at freecampsite.net. That's where we found a lot of our sites. It gives you the rundown. You can find out what time they close at. Do they have bathrooms there, showers? Are there any restrictions? Um, So, for instance, on a bike, depending on what type of bike you're traveling on, are the roads paved? Are they gravel? Are they dirt? Are they, like, fire roads? Um, Are you going to be riding through brush? All of that stuff is um, accessible through the websites and... then you can see the prices so then there is usually i think the range that we found for the pay ones was like 30 to 50 dollars a day and some of these sites we learned too was that they especially during summer season they 
it's all the fucking RVers. They just get packed really quickly. And so we figured the next trip, we really had to start making reservations because they would just get filled. Like we went during um, 4th of July weekend uh, a couple years ago and it was just like we didn't book the sites for like this week-long trip. And we literally every – we went to like seven sites in a day and they were all – at capacity. And so, um, thankfully we were able to find somebody who had a site that we were able to, to stay up at. But, um, there's also, there is some, it's kind of like couch share or something like that, mm-hmm. but I think couch it's surfing. for, yeah, yeah but I think like it's that. for like motorcyclists specifically that oh. you can list yourself on. So if you have a little backyard or something where somebody can like pop their bike in your driveway and pop a tent into your backyard, oh. you can look that up because sometimes you're passing through a city and there's no, and you're 25 miles from the nearest mountains so or like something Airbnb, like that. So it's like Airbnb but for motorcyclists. Yeah, but so it's usually free. In their house, yeah, yeah, and it's usually free. Like they're like, oh, dude, you're, you need a place to stay? Like I got... That's my backyard legit. and That's I forget legit. what it's called but also I know in a lot of states you can camp just as long as you're like a hundred yards off the road or something like that and you don't make a fire or something like that there's like a BLM I rule I heard, read that in California you can't do that that's what I read too but here because uh, we were gonna do that and then I was kind of getting anxious because there was a lot of like uh, state I, park people around. yeah I met a dude I met a dude coming across from. I think uh, it matters if it's a national park or a state park. Yeah, because you can camp anywhere you want in Joshua Tree, but you just can't. You have to be like fifty feet off the road, and you can't have a fire. Yeah, this says in California specifically BLM land camping. You can. There's quite a few. It says on most BLM lands, you may camp for free without a permit for up to fourteen days at a time at the location of your choice. And then you have to move 25 miles away to another campsite and you cannot return to the original one for 28 days. How do you know if it's BLM land? Is that usually when there's the park? You're going to have to go to either the org, like go to the, I'm sorry, gov, like go to the california.gov or something and look it up. Or I'm on Getaway Tips, AZ Central, which is the Arizona site, which Arizona you can like camp and drive anywhere off road. You know what I'm saying? Like as long as you're X amount of feet from the. That's because. Everything is, you know, middle of nowhere. Yeah, pretty much. And it's not California, so uh, <laughs> they don't. I wish we could do need to charge um, you for every like Angeles National Forest. Yes, that would be amazing. I mean, there are like there's some good hikes back there, but it'd be cool. Like I live right by Bailey. It'd be so cool to just hike up to the top and pitch a tent and then hike down the next day. <laughs> yeah, this one that site I was looking at uh, was getawaytips.azcentral.com and it had like California stuff on there. And so I know I know there are places in California where you can, but most of the places in California that people end up searching for are campgrounds that charge fees and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So people don't think to look out, look at hey, where am I right now? Yeah. But in other, in other states, like I was saying, this guy I met on his way from Tennessee, he rode his bicycle across to uh, California and he said as soon as I got to California everything changed you couldn't just pull off the side of the road and camp right. off the side of the freeway yeah, like you California's could in almost every state nutty. on the way here uh, and that's a, it's just a lot to do with like safety and weird mm-hmm. stuff like that that we're like really protective yeah. of the land and the people here and, I don't uh, like to camp off the side of the road in California because you can't take a gun with you to the <laughs> side of the road in California <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but then you're an easy target because you're right off the road. Well, yeah, because yeah, and they know that you don't have a gun with you because you're in California. <laughs> <No>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, we're getting close to the end of the show. Do you want to you want to wrap this baby? I think um, yeah. I should at least answer my questions, but I don't have to talk about the race. Yeah, okay. okay. I think that's. I mean, the only other things I would say is bring some cash because some places only accept cash. Yeah. Um. And also bring extra bungees because I've had bungees snap. <laughs> I've had bungees fly off. I've had- we know how well, you like. <laughs> even if you pay attention to how you pack it, you're going to pack it different the next time. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's bungees. always good. Yeah, to- and I learned rope is not the best because oh man, the first time I did on the Harley, I I brought rope and I tied that motherfucker down. It was beautiful, just all of these different knots. It was just amazing. Nothing was going to come off of there, but then unpacking. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nothing came off of there just yeah. like you no, planned. It was great for safe, like uh, per, like safety. No, uh, no one wanted to for theft. No one wanted to steal it because yeah. it wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I use rock straps now, and then um, ca- uh, cargo nets, and then a few extra bungees. Rad. Yeah, bungees. Even though they go bad because elastic. Yeah, uh, they're pretty awesome when I mean, they're last, some like, at least nice ones that are like rubber that I bought in Sturgis a couple years ago that yeah. are pretty good, but. I've had rubber runs rot on me though. They all of them will over time. Yeah, eventually, yeah. yeah. You can't buy especially bite. if you're riding with them in the sun a lot. So that's what I had on my Harley, and it was in the sun so much. Yeah, sun breaks down every, any yeah. anything that's uh, photosensitive was just like get destroyed. So yeah, wigs um, has a couple of ask wigs. Is that what they kind are? Of, They're not technically to the ask no wigs one email. Email us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, listen up. Nobody will email askwigs at gmail.com. Wigs is going to flip his wig if you don't send him some questions there. That's for general questions. Send anything you want to know to askwigs at gmail.com. Now, we recorded for another hour. Of course, since we're wrapping up the show and Wigs wanted to get his question in, we know how Wigs could talk. So we did. We chatted for another hour. And I'm going to have to say, patrons, you're going to have to hear Wig's responses offline. We're not going to stick it up online. It's going to be for patrons only. Um, and I'm going to have to edit it a little bit. So it might not even come out today. Unless you can promise to keep your ears open, minds open, and mouths shut. With that in mind, let's get into some stuff that's coming up here pretty soon. I see June 20th through the 23rd. Chicago Motoblot 2019. That's going on. Uh, this weekend, I believe, round two, uh, Deals Gap Motorcycle Resort, Saturday night at 8 p.m., Fitties for Life pit bike race around the Deals Gap Motorcycle Resort. Also happening this weekend, let's see, 255 North Mission Road, Los Angeles. Hey, that's Lucky Wheels. Uh, the Cretans Racing Benefit is happening Saturday, 7 p.m. It's the 11th annual Racing Benefit and Race Bike Show. Help support your local hooligan racers. There's going to be live music, a bar, some food, and some race bikes. So come check it out. Uh, the California Moto Market happening 5-19-2019 at the 3191A Airport Loop Drive, Costa Mesa, California. It's women's motorcycle gear. It's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening with that. Lucky Wheels has been having some film nights, and they're going to continue to be having that uh, throughout the summer. So if you're in the L.A. area, check that out. Uh, the Swanks Rally is coming up Friday, June 14th in Francais. Um, it's coming to the desert in SoCal in late April, which is should be like, coming this weekend. And a Vintage Motor Rally, 11th of May in uh, New South Wales. Um, if you want to check check out more, please go to Deus Emporium and check out all the great stuff they have happening. The Handbuilt Show is heading 
2019. I forget that's coming up here pretty soon. It's two weeks away, I think. And also the Moto Bean Classic, April 20th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Long Beach. And that's going to be, sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, actually. There's going to be um, common bonding through motos and coffee, thus Moto Bean. Um, it's going to be a lot of vendors, foods, drinks, classic bikes, group rides. Uh, they're trying to make a bi-monthly thing out of it. And also, 420 Portland, it's the Smokeout. Um, couldn't think of anything more appropriately named for 420. Um, the Texas Hill Cycle Show, May 31st through June 1st at Albert Athhouse in Albert, Texas. I don't know what, where that came from. And also, the Howlin' Prowl 5. Um... That's happening Saturday, May 25th, 2019 from noon to 4 at Old City Park Brewery Gulch. And it doesn't say where. Just like every other Chopper show, it just doesn't tell you where. And also, you already know that there's going to be vintage racing at the course of Moto Classica coming up the last weekend in April. Followed thereafter by the Californian and the Quail, which you can find links in the show notes and... Uh, on our blog so check us out creative-writing.com email anything you want to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com and listen to Motorcycles and Misfits on Monday you fools you fools 